Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi guys, and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast recorded every week at King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Siobhan Coombs. Uh, my co-host is Andrew Levins. Hi. Yay! I did the intro this week. It's you did crazy. It. You nailed it. Thanks. Um, all the comics that we talk about can be purchased at King's Comics at 310 Pitt Street or online at kingscomics.com. Just had to get that in quickly. Yeah, and what a, what a whole lot of comics there are this week. Another massive, massive week. Absolutely. In which uh, there were like uh, 20-ish number one issues that we read all of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw the end of Howard the Duck. We saw the end of Darth Vader. And we saw the beginning of some comics, which we may or may not continue to read. Hmm. So should we get started on that with our regular segment, First Things First? Yep. We will review all of the brand new number one issues each week. We call that segment First Things First. Uh, how do you want to start off? I think the, the, the publisher you put out the most number ones this week was Marvel. Yeah, might as well just start there. So uh, I can what do you reckon was the most hyped here. Maybe Mosaic. Mosaic. I think Mosaic has definitely been like a really highly hyped series. It's been one that they sort of tried to do a really intriguing teaser for all throughout sort of um, various Inhumans comics yeah. and um, online. So this was one I was definitely definitely waiting for. Yeah, in fact, we got two we got two comics this week, two number one issues through Marvel, which were written by Jeffrey Thorne. Okay. Uh, the first of which is Mosaic, the second of which is Solo, which we'll be talking about later. He's apparently a good friend of uh, Deadpool writer Deadpool writer Jeffrey. Sorry, Jerry Duggan. Duggan. Nice. Um, and uh, he w- has a background in animation. Okay. Which didn't surprise me at all because my biggest criticism of Mosaic and probably Solo too is that it felt like a um, kind of slow, slightly boring animated superhero show mm, for kids. Interesting. Um, it wasn't bad. It was just yeah. like it was a bit slow and felt a little bit dated in its themes and, and, and dialogue. Uh. See, I mean, I I didn't feel that. I f- felt like this was quite a sort of um, exciting first issue and first look at this new character. It's sort of, I mean, like, I, I guess maybe the, some of the dialogue, was that the thing that you felt like dated it? Because I think they're trying to, they're trying to make it very contemporary, like the fact that this guy is a sort of big time basketball player in the NBA his girlfriend looks suspiciously like Iggy Azalea yeah um, I just think you know whenever you I mean so Mosaic is a, is a, is a black basketball player who mm-hmm. also uh, is an inhuman and uh, he, after the Terrigen Mists come over uh, a flash party that he's, he's attending mm-hmm. uh, he, he gets into his inhuman cocoon and emerges as a 
weird being of energy who can transfer his consciousness into other people's bodies and take on their, I guess, their their, their memories and potentially powers. So Jericho sands mutton chops, but with a sweet dunk ability. What? <laughs> Jericho without mutton chops. Okay, yep. And then dunking. Okay, all right, sure. That's what I, <laughs> um, I just find, you know, whenever they, they try and do gangster dialogue yeah. here, like, you tripping, blah, 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 yeah. that always feels very dated to me. Because um, yeah, obviously they can't swear. Um, and uh, I think that immediately cheapens what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Even even uh, when all, they're trying to be really contemporary. All ages gangster lingo never works. Yeah. They say trill a couple of times or something. <laughs> That's fine, isn't it? Sure. That's only 10 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, I'm, I'm on board for this series. I'm going to read a couple issues of it. This is certainly the uh, the better of the two Jeffrey Thorne books this, this week. Mm-hmm. We'll get to Solo in a second. Um I think, you know, this is the kind of character that Marvel needs to make the Inhumans feel less forced. Absolutely. He feels completely unlike any of the X-Men. He feels completely unlike any of the Inhumans we've had so far. And yep. the fact that he's Inhuman is secondary, well, you know, to, to many other things that he is also. Yeah, like, I mean, he is first and foremost, like, a super arrogant jerk. Yeah. And I think that's always, like, I'm... I always find that compelling when we get a sort of arrogant character who you know over the course of the story is going to get broken down and reformed into a superhero. Like, it's the it's the Spider-Man story, which is always, always compelling, I think. Speaking of which, um, on the front cover you see Mosaic, uh, like his kind of image reflected with different uh, people's faces from within the Marvel Universe, although the only recognisable face is Spider-Man's. Not, yeah, not... it's hard to tell other people out of costume. Yeah, totally. But I mean, y- you would think there'd be more in humans here, but instead it looks like th- that Spider-Man's going to feature heavily in Mosaic's story. Looks like right? Iron Man is there as well. Oh, there he is. Yeah, it seems like they're trying to push him to being um, a big part of the Marvel Universe. And so far, I'm okay with that. I think he's a pretty well-fleshed-out character. And while there's some dorky elements, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm down and I'm here to... Here to see the rest I of it. I kind of hope he keeps playing basketball. I would Me love too. a super-powered basketball book. Like, I mean, he'd yes. get disqualified immediately, but that would be that's really appealing to me. No, I think that would be like if that was his secret identity that he also had to keep being the best basketball player in the world. That would be that'd be great. Um, I love basketball comics. All right, so keep in mind while we're doing all these number ones, Siobhan, that uh, one of our listeners, Daniel, wrote on our Facebook wall this week. Oh yes, um, and suggested that we try and rank. The number ones each okay. week. Oh, it's going to be very difficult, so I'm going to try and keep them in order. Mosaic, I'm going to keep reading it, which means it's pretty close to the top. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a, few, a few books will not be making this. This uh, We're, we're going to try and rank it. So, okay. Mosaic, close to the top at this point. Close to the top. Uh, Solo, The One Man War on Terror. Another mercenary. Think Deadpool, but less fun. He is uh, <laughs> the product of uh, Armenian terrorism. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's a mercenary. Who uh, you know goes to gets himself in very sticky situations, and he's the best there is at what he does. I guess he. Yeah. This one was written by uh, Jerry Duggan with uh, Jeffrey Thorne, um, and art on this one uh, by uh, someone Diaz. So I don't know about the. I don't know really about the solo character. I only know him from the the Mercs for Money Deadpool book. I know he's yeah. a character in that. I don't know if he is he, if he's existed longer than this. I'm apologize for my ignorance to uh, to slightly smart alecky Mercs in the Marvel U. But uh, but he seems like his vibe is that he is like quite bad at being a Merc and then sort of just manages to pull things off in a slightly so ramshackle way. So he's not the way. best he is at what he does. Yeah, he shows up in the wrong place for the hit or um, the, the thing that he's supposed to be doing. Probably the best thing about this book is Paco Diaz's art. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, it takes it takes a, a lot of talent to modernise uh, a stupid mercenary, heaps of pocketed 
um, yeah. onesie that um, that Solo's wearing. Uh, but he does it with flair. Yeah, he does a good job. He's like half Ninja Turtle, half... Yeah. So this is like it's he seems a lot more serious and and it seems a lot more serious in tone than Deadpool is but he's still like trying to kidnap a stolen dog. Yeah, and- like I I mean I feel like I feel like this was a sort of half comedy book, not quite as like gags all the time as Deadpool, but there are still like really funny moments I think in this. Like I really like Dum Dum Dugan's constant phrase of like my friends call me dum dum and they're all dead so yeah. you can't call me that dum <laughs> uh, dum dugan uh always a good person to show up in a marvel book and Absolutely. he does he kind of at the end of this issue we see him, him enlisting solo almost in a in a suicide squad kind of manner mm. sending him on a, on, a, on a suicide mission because he's expendable so pretty interesting i guess i probably I liked it you're gonna keep reading it yeah i'm gonna keep reading let me know if it's good will do i will not keep reading this nice one. all right um we talked about comedy in Solo. A straight-up attempt at a comedy book came out this week in The Great Lakes Avengers. Have you what ever read a Great a Lakes Avengers book before? No. I read, uh, Dan Slott wrote, wrote GLA, which was a take on J- JLA. Mm-hmm. But Great Lakes Avengers have always been like a Midwest take on the Avengers team. You had West Coast Avengers at a, um, for a while. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the regular Avengers team have always been New York-based. So dead in the middle is The Great Lakes Avengers. They've always kind of been seen as a, as a joke team. Mm-hmm. I think John Byrne created them. Uh, and from from the Great Lakes team is where we actually um, got the uh, origin story of Squirrel Girl. I think she yeah. either began or kind of really got her breakout role in, in that book. Um, and, of course, Squirrel Girl is now insanely popular right now. Uh, our probably most loved Marvel book when it comes out regularly by um, Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Uh, so this book kind of sees the rest of the team come back together. Um, and Squirrel Girl has a brief brief, brief cameo. Um, where Squirrel Girl is effortlessly funny on Every panel, every mm. every moment is this, that just oozes just natural comedy. This felt. <laughs> I feel like you're going to be overly harsh on this. No, I'm from not. The way just, you're introing it. I'm just saying that, like you know, this felt like very much like this is a comedy book. See how there are jokes. Oh, I guess there I are, know. It was amusing. It, it was, was amusing. There was some. There was like, I mean, the first, the second page has like a killer. Um, Steve Rogers penis joke, which don't come around super often, and so okay, you've got to right. make the most of them when they're there. And holy moly, Will Robson is like an amazing artist. Yeah, I've never cut, seen yeah, any of his stuff. Drawing before. is fantastic. Will Robson on art here, and uh, written by Zach Gorman. Um, yeah, I love the art. I think it's some really funny cartooning. I don't know the team, so I'm really into it. Like I'd never really heard of Big Bertha or Flatman. Big, yeah. Um, and so that, I, I, I almost corrected you to say Big Bertha. Yeah, but it's not Big Bertha. <laughs> it's Big Bertha. Um, so I, I I found this I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was funny. It, it, it was it was fun. I'll give it I'll give it that. It was fun. It was fun more than it was funny for me. Yeah, and there's um, some new characters showing up. Like there's this sort of um, comic book artist manga obsessed character who seems to be able to morph into a cool wolf lady. So I'm I'm really excited to see more. Of and it her. looks like her superhero name is is Good Boy. <laughs> That's that would... a, that's a, at the end. It has early code names, and her oh, name awesome. is, is Good Boy. Oh, that's that, that, so that's appealing. good. Yeah, yeah. Look, so look. I didn't. I didn't. I was basically. I was hoping that we're going to take a, a page out of uh, a leaf out of the Squirrel Girl book of comedy and, mm. and be a bit more. I don't know. I, but that's so much like I know it's I know it's, it's Ryan North's, North's thing. book, you know, like and that it's his voice, and um, I like that this kind of. I think the Squirrel Girls opened the door for more comedy books to mm-hmm. exist at Marvel, and I think this is like I've read a this good kind of comedy of comic a lot of times though. That's... It's it's more it's more in the tradition of things like Justice League International and definitely. superhero comic book uh, comedy books that we've seen before. It's definitely not breaking any 
exceptionally exciting ground, but I think it's I think it's worth it for the art. Who do we someone at work described him as we all thought it was Nick Bradshaw, who's a sort of sub art Adams, so it's kind of like sub sub art Adams style. Yeah, for but sure. um it's it's really, really good. Really great colours, really great facial work. Active, incredible facial work, like yeah, some awesome stuff in yeah. here. I'm gonna stick with this one too. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely sticking with it. Mad. Um, all right, uh, last Marvel book this week is uh, the brand new Spider-Man event from Dan Slott um, with uh, Jim Chung on art on this Yay. one. I love Jim Chung love from Jim uh, Chung. Young Avengers. Um, uh, Chung or Chung? Chung. Well, I would say Chung, but Chung. I don't know. Who knows? Let's ask Jim. Yeah. Call him up. <laughs> uh, this is the Clone Conspiracy, an amazing Spider-Man event. Dead uh, no more. So this involves uh, all of uh, the dead, the, the hundreds and hundreds of people that have that Spider Man has left dead in his wake. Mm. Um, the Jackal is back, guys. Remember that brilliant clone story that everyone loves from the eighties that Remember? he was behind. Remember how that's still in continuity because everyone loved it so much. He's back and he's bringing people back to life. He's not cloning them. It's it's they're the, the, they're coming back to life with their own memories. And this is like a pretty hectic issue because he brings back a really core. Like this is Dan Slott, who I think. I think he's earned the right to do whatever he wants with Spider-Man, honestly. Like, he's been as writing long his as character he, for long As long enough. as he stops at some point. Yeah, yeah. Pass <laughs> the torch, Dan Slott. Not to Bendis. <laughs> Pass it somewhere else. Um, but so, in this, he retells the death story of um, yeah, the backup Gwen story Stacy in, this, yeah. in quite a, like, fundamentally stressful way. <laughs> Which, like, very, very much changes the tone. And now um, Gwen is one of the people that the Jackal has brought back, as well as Gwen's dad, who was also um, killed. Stacy. Yeah. So and this is going to be yeah, some so, so spoilers, high drama. Uh, spoilers on most of the books we're going to talk about today, particularly the, the superhero stuff. If you uh, haven't read your books yet, hit pause, go read your books. Come and then we're doing some light spoilers, as we do every week. I feel like so we don't in, bore people enough. Um. So, in the backup Gwen Stacy story, we all know the story of um, Gwen dies, and Peter's never sure if it's the if it was his sort of rough rescue of her, or if it was genuinely the Goblin who kills her. In this, we discover that Gwen has been paralyzed, but she can still hear through all of the sort of fight. And so yeah. she discovers that Peter is Spider-Man and that he was the person who was partially responsible for the death of her father. And so that's her last memory as she dies. And that's the first thing she remembers when she's brought back to life by the Jackal, which is a bit, it's a bit hectic. Yeah, you know? pretty intense. Kind of fucks everything up, to be honest. Uh, also, we mm-hmm. see the return of uh, Otto Octavius, a.k.a. Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if he's been brought to death, brought back to life after the events of Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, which which Otto is this? Like that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. But if it's just like same old Doctor Octopus, that's boring. Yeah, absolutely. I hope this doesn't exist to just bring everyone back and then the status quo. There you go. All these people are back now. That's boring to me. Yeah. Hopefully, there's something more more going on more than this. Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something. There's something wrong with the clones. Like, this ties into the story that's been going on in Amazing Spider-Man, which is actually the thing that's gotten me back into reading Spider-Man. All this sort of um, creepy cloning stuff with the Jackal, bringing people back to life, but they have to take a a pill that he gives them every single day or their body will start to disintegrate. So people are sort of in his employ so that they can continue to live. And I think that's, um, that's that's very interesting. God, yeah. I love Jim Chung as well. Yeah. Gee whiz. So the art in the back is uh, purposely meant to look very like Silver Age, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, this backup story? Yeah, because right. yeah, it looks dated, but I think it's intentionally trying to be like Ramita. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I, I wasn't. I, I've I've loved and kind of tolerated Dan Slott's runs for the for the twenty years he's been writing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't crazy about Spider Verse. Um, I thought the potential was was great, but I didn't think it played out to the potential. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm sure this is going to be in a similar boat, but it'll be an enjoyable, you know, absolutely, absolutely, read, all the same. Yeah. Dan Slott. I find, I find Dan Slott is. Uh, I, I would be infuriated if I read his Spider Man run month to month, but mm. I love like waiting, waiting until like twenty issues are out and then just mm-hmm. smashing them all in, in one go. Absolutely. Um, so uh, it could be interesting reading Spider Man month to month for this event. And it's just so cool being like it's. I say this a lot, but it's cool getting to see one guy writing Peter Parker for so long and seeing how his version of Peter has changed and developed and grown and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I love yeah, it. Yeah, sure. And it's not like Spider-Man's in every other book anyway, so yeah. everyone gets their turn writing Spidey at some point. Exactly. Cool. Nice. Um, so over to Image now for probably the biggest number one of the week, and that is Mark Millar teaming up with uh, Greg Capullo. And in fact, the entire art team from uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's um, uh uh, Batman run. Mm-hmm. You've got Greg Capullo and uh, the same inker and colorist. Um, so Greg Capullo, Jonathan Clapion, and uh, Fior Plasencia. Nailed Definitely it. Nailed that was beautiful. <laughs> this one's called Reborn. And uh, I wasn't sure about this going into this. We were really, when we started this podcast, we were championing everything Mark Miller had been doing in the mm-hmm. last couple of years. And we've had a few little snags. I think Empress certainly didn't live up to the potential of. Uh, Miller and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Imanen working together. Uh, but this is uh, the story of uh, old age and death. Mm-hmm. Um, and we basically follow the life of, uh, of a woman as she grows old and remembers key moments in her life before she passes on. However, when she passes on, she awakes in an uh, incredible battle on the battlefield, um, fighting monsters and dragons and uh, people around her recognize her as as the chosen one, and uh, she is confronted at the end by her dad, her father, and she has finally joined their battle. Yeah. So the whole idea is that when when we die, we leave this plane and are reborn on like a fantasy in a fantasy D&D world, game. which is kind of like that Michael DeForge comic that I read a little while ago, where we we die and we're reborn on the moon, and the more people that die, the bigger the moon army becomes. Um, so I think this is like. That, but worse. <laughs> so, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I thought, like, you know, her remembering, the main character's remembering all these key moments of her life um, was, was, was quite powerful in her ruminations on death and, mm. you know, it, that, it, when you do get that old, you could die at any moment. And I think yeah. that's explored quite tactfully, especially for Mark Miller. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's, there's some, you know, great interactions that she has with, you know, various family members mm. and, and even staff in the... Um, in the, 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 the caring home that she's in. Um, and I just, I, I didn't know anything about this comic going into it. I wasn't sure what Reborn was all about. I knew that it was a fantasy element to it. Mm. And I think this, you know, this, this kind of analogy of heaven, and now yeah. we're going to get this great, like, you're the chosen one story. Like, you know, it's by the numbers stuff, but that's appealing. Like, to yeah. read a blockbuster epic like this, this is the kind of stuff that Mark Millar should be, should be writing, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I just, uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my preconceived notions about Mark Millar and the way he, I don't know. I mean, like, my boyfriend, my boyfriend Nate read this issue and he got to the last page and he goes, well, I know one thing for sure, Mark Millar's definitely been in a strip club (laughs) because he just thinks that, like, it's, it's the, like, this character already seems like she has daddy issues. Is that a, b- a horrible thing to say? Does she I have don't daddy know. Issues? I think she just lo- misses her dad because he's dead. Isn't yeah, that- but why does he have a big porn moustache and like? Because that's 
I don't know. I don't know. I just. I think. I think you know that was probably a, an image, a, a design choice chosen, so you would immediately recognize him. He has a mustache uh, yeah, and he's I younger, suppose, yeah. and then you see him on the battlefield in big battle gear, but he still has that big mo. So you know yeah. that's who, who that is, because she looks. You know, when the old lady dies, she reverts to like you know her being a young form. sexy lady. Um, well, it's a fantasy. Epic. I know. I know. Give it a I break. don't know. I just think you know, like this, this is like a, a blockbuster comic. It's a, it's the equivalent of like a. Like I was gonna say, like a superhero movie, or you know, mm. like a you know a Hollywood blockbuster, and I feel like you don't. I don't. Know, I don't expect too much depth from this. I just expect to be captivated on on a small level by, by the story. And I think this definitely did did what Empress failed to do at the very least. I guess I just think like, I mean, that final page says a lot for me, where she is the only woman surrounded by a sea of men and there's like, yeah, there's some good interactions with like her nurse in hospital and like her, her granddaughter and stuff like that. But the key relationships in her life are with her dad and her husband. And it's, I don't know. Maybe she's the chosen one because she's the first woman to end up in this. Yeah. Maybe she's the only chick and now she can start. I don't know. I don't give it a break. It's fine. It's all (laughs) fine. I will let you judge away on issue two. I just think, I, I think this is a good start. It didn't. It didn't blow me away. I, I love I Greg Capullo. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome to see Greg Capullo. Like, like and especially the, the whole in this art universe. team going going crazy on this. Absolutely. I'm. I'm just. I am hesitant. Yeah. Well, if you want to hate it even more, you know how we made fun of uh, Jupiter's Legacy because Mark Millar described it as uh, the greatest superhero epic of this generation. Oh yeah. Uh, he describes Reborn as the greatest sci-fi fantasy adventure series of all time. Nice. I mean, he's confident, and that's nice. <laughs> we know that. He also has the worst letter section in his books, where it's just like weird kind of glimpses at, at his uh, his message boards. Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> I still enjoyed this comic, Reborn. I'm on board for the series. Um, also from... Uh, do we have any more Im- oh, there's one more image book that came out this week um, called Black Light District, Six Issues by Jesse Blaze Snyder and a whole bunch of different collaborators, including Chris Burnham. Uh, this is a weird one. Immediately when you open the first page, uh, it says, go to blacklightdistrict.co slash press play to listen and read along. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, it's a, it's a music comic. All of the, uh, all the words in it rhyme. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, basically like an audio, uh, like a, like a, like a, yeah, a musical adventure or whatever. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I went to that website address as, as the, the, the front page instructed me and that website doesn't actually exist. Nice. So Nailed I then it, skimmed this like, I don't know, kind of, it was almost read like a, you know, like an HSC visual arts, right. you know, 18 year old, like attack on the world. Mm. There's some great art within it. Um, probably my favorite book in this was called Mad Hatton, but it's just like, it's pretty like, you know. Entry level socialism kind of stuff. Nice. Uh, there's some good art. Mm. That's all. I, I think it's just a one and done. But uh, hey, maybe next time you put out a musical comic, make sure the address to the music actually works, guys. Yeah, because that's a cool concept. And also, your website doesn't work on uh, a phone. So that's that's a, that's guys, a, that's what I've, level I, I'm one. not gonna. If I'm if I've got my comic in one hand, I'm not gonna go get my laptop in the other. Yeah, my phone. gee whiz. Golly me. Um, over to IDW this week. I thought they had a pretty strong week. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll start with the bad. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, The Salmon of Doubt. This is a comic based on a TV adaptation of a Douglas Adams book. Yes. Um, and it was completely lost on me. It was a lot to take in. 
very yeah. very overwritten. I have no connection to the characters whatsoever. I felt like I was being thrown into a story that I knew nothing about. So this one did not grab me. I have a connection to the characters. I love Dirk Gently and I still couldn't really read it. So okay, cool. Disappointing right. for me. But they put out two really good comics, including my probably my favorite number one of the week. That was The Electric Sublime by W.L. W. Maxwell Prince and uh, art by Martin Moraza and Matt Lopez. Um, Martin Morazzo is the uh, regular fill-in on uh, the Nighthawk series that we love. Oh, there you go. Because I was trying to figure issues, out. He's drawn a few issues of that. Yeah. This is, I mean, you could immediately compare it to the Virgo comic Art Ops. Mm-hmm. And I think it maybe is, as a first issue, it's more successful than that one was. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is about a bunch of um, murders in the art world. Uh, and murders linked to art, more murders caused by art. Murders in art. And it's all about... Uh, like this terrorist organization or that, that uses a symbol of a winking face and uh, hundreds of people go to see the Mona Lisa and the painting has been swapped and the Mona Lisa is now smiling and winking. And uh, so the, everyone goes berserk. There's a, a great artistic genius who is uh, locked up in a mental asylum who they, who they free. And um, he regularly communicates with like a small wooden mannequin who becomes a character by the end of this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to love about this comic. Was There's a bad guy who looks like Andy Warhol. Yep. There's jumping into paintings, Dadaism. which is always fun. There's the mummified corpse of, of Mona Lisa at one point. Yeah, the, the preview for the next issue says, who's your data? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, you know, as someone that has, you know, all I all I really have to, to a, you know, uh, historical art point is what I learned in years 9 through 12 at high school and I've forgotten most of the important stuff but even with an entry level mm. uh, idea of, of art theory I really got a lot out of this book I thought it was really imaginative really fun story crazy characters and you have no idea what's going to happen on the on the following page as you read it yeah absolutely it's like this is a good comic and I really tried to like art ops because Wayne at King's, King's is like the, the, the biggest art ops evangelist of all time <laughs> um, but I think this is I think that sort of takes art ops idea and maybe is a little bit more successful with how it approaches it yep um i think this is really good fun really great fun I think, yeah far and away my favorite first issue of the week so uh daniel that's gonna be at the top of my ranked list uh also rdw put out a book called the october faction written by steve niles and damian worm which comes with uh incredible reviews from uh, some of our favorite creators including mark millard brian k vaughan rick remender Slash. Nice. <laughs> Matt Fraction and Max Brooks. Um, this is about like almost like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, except the League is all... Um, you've got like a Frankenstein monster, a witch, uh, a, um, a werewolf, uh, a vampire, teaming up to defeat these big, fantastically drawn, kind of scratchy demons. Cool. Um, and then a lot of this is just them kind of do- dealing with day-to-day stuff after the battle. Oh, wow. Um, cool. Yeah. It looks very it- um, almost... Ben Templesmith yeah, vibes? Yeah, definitely. The art's an absolute high point of this. Uh, it gives you... Ju- it almost feels like quite a quick story, but it gives you enough to kind of go, oh, I'm, I'm interested in this. So I'm, I'm definitely going to keep reading this book. Uh, one of my one of my favourites of the week too. So IDW, a very rare great week for them. Because hmm. I reckon they would be the most hit and, hit and miss publisher. Yeah, the there's stands. been some really great stuff out through them this year, but yeah. Yeah. Not always. Um Let's talk about Vertigo this week. They put out The Lost Boys, number one. The Lost Boys, an 80s movie that I watched a lot during high school and never since. Siobhan. I have never seen it. Really? So I didn't pick this up because I thought it would confuse me. I think there is enough going on, not enough introduced in here that you kind of just don't really, like, basically there's a, there's a town in which there have been vampires, but not everyone in the town believes in vampires. Mm-hmm. Just the kids and a bunch of, like, senile, apparent vampire hunters. Cool. Uh, so this follows on, like... 
I guess like a couple years after the movie, I think I might be wrong. That, that that's not clear. There's no kind of like recap page from the movie or anything like that. But mm. I don't think that's necessarily important. Uh, it captures the tone of the '80s. It's written by Tim Seeley um, with awesome, awesome art. Like I'm like I'm as captivated by this yeah, art wow. as, as I was by the um, art on the first issue of Doom Patrol. Um, so you know, it looks like DC have a lot of great artists in their in their ranks uh, working on Vertigo and. Um, the Young Animals. Young Animal in print. Um, so, yeah, written by Tim Seeley, um, art by um, Scott Godlewski. Mm. And, uh, oh, and oh, variant cover by Joel Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Tony Harris did the regular cover. Uh, I just, yeah, I mean, I did spend this kind of like a lot of this issue going on. What happened in the first movie again? I just remember like either Bill or Ted was in it and one of the Corys and there were some funny lines and some a musical scene. It's wow, good. God, it's, it's a I good have movie. To watch this movie. Oh yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's a. It's the. It's a killer Jim's high school movie. sleepover movie. Yeah, nice. Um, and uh, the eighties were, 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 were. If if they weren't good for anything in particular, they were very good for that. Mm. Producing many of those. Uh, I think it nails the 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 eighties vampire vibe really well. The art again is fantastic. And um, yeah, I think it's just a six part limited series. Cool. Um, I'd recommend it to anyone that wants a you know a kind of fun eighties like if you if you like Stranger Things and you like vampires, this is a good little comic for you to pick up. Yeah, nice. Uh, oh yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. So I, 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 I didn't know what to expect going in, and I ended up loving it. Hmm. Uh, so we've got who we got? We've got quite a few more. Hmm. Um, we got recommended uh, Andre on uh, our Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com slash serious issues podcast. Asked this week if we were going to read the Chimera Brigade number Chimera, one. Chimera, surely. Chimera, whatever. <laughs> <coughs> so this book, I mean, just just my pronunciation of, of the of the title makes me feel stupid. <laughs> this entire book made me feel so dumb. It was what? such a chore really? for me to read. I don't know why. Um, it's very very word heavy. It was uh, written by Sir Sir J Lemon and uh, Fabrice Colin. God damn it, I suck. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and uh, arts by this is easy. Guess. Guess. G E S S. Nice. Um, and it's come out through Titan, who put out two number ones this week. Uh, and it kind of ties into um, is it pre or post World War Two? So I think it's sort of um, it's set in 1938. Okay, so yeah. pre mid, yeah. <laughs> Just as everything is starting to go down, and this is very um, heavy in Nazi sort of symbolism and imagery the whole way through. Yeah, and the I- Marie Curie is like a yeah, right. There's gets a- in a big robot suit, which that, that I was like, cool, that's going to be fun. And I just, I don't know, I, I I didn't like the art. I thought the writing was a lot to take in. Um, See, I I I really do like the art. I think that it kind of does a really good job of taking like like. That looks like a genuine golden age image. You know what I mean? Like For that's sure, how yeah. people drew in the golden oh, see, age. I, I but it, it does looks a like good a, job of like like a drunk Mike Mignola. <laughs> yeah, kinda, kind of that vibe. Like a re- like really like early do. Superman comics look a bit like look <laughs> yeah, a bit nuts. Sure. Yep. And I think they did a cool job of like um, using like a more contemporary panel structure and layout with some really classic looking imagery. Sure. No, I get you on that. It almost looks like, what was the super, the initial Superman TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the sort of Fleischer Studios yeah, stuff. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Max Fleischer, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, like, this is like, uh, you know, there's a character called Gregor Sansa called, like, alias the cockroach and his ability is metamorphosis and stuff like that. So it's like got some heavy literary... Um, sort of illusions there's a sort of superman-esque character who's supposed to be like the americans big big weapon for the war i think that like i agreed that this was a bit of a tough read throughout the first half 
But once you got sort of into the meat of it, I found it really interesting and really engaging. And I love the idea of the the sort of um, the Russian superheroes who are called we. And there's like it's a whole group of men <laughs> in um, in metal suits, and they just refer to themselves as we. So they're kind of like ultra communist rocket reds. And yeah, Marie Curie's daughter, I believe, is the character who um, is in the Pilots is in the suit. Mech, yeah. Yeah, I I'm down. Okay, cool. I'm uh, into I, it. This is a good week. A lot of people always complain that we always like the same stuff. And yeah, I, I, I I'm like I could not be bothered reading another issue of this. So it made me feel dumb, and comics shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm into it. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, uh, good. You, our, our ranks is going to be very different then. Yeah, awesome. To going through them. Um, Titan also put out another one this week uh, called Rivers of London. Did you I read this like, one? I feel like I read the first half, and then I found it a bit. So this is based on a, a bunch of books. Now, see, I, I really enjoyed this one. This uh, and this is uh, again, it made me feel stupid. This is uh, this is uh, based on a book by uh, uh, Ben Aravanovich. Okay, Aaron Aranovich. Yeah, Ar- yeah, Aranovich. Um, and, and apparently there's a blockbuster novels that everyone reads. I've certainly seen those on racks in like airports. Yeah, it looks like something that I would normally love. <laughs> yeah, and this is about uh, like a detective who is also a practicing wizard, uh, but he keeps it secret. And there's like killer mold like that mm. like can like jump out from the wall and kill you. Um, and uh, there's like a possessed ice cream truck. It's really it, it, it looks like a really Ew. straight and serious kind of detective book. Um, but there's lots of wacky stuff going on. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, for some reason, I apparently didn't make it past the first page, but that looks awesome. So, and I know nothing of the Rivers of London uh, franchise whatsoever, but this is, if, if the books are like this, I'll, I mean, like, you know, if they have pictures, I'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, this would be my surprise too. I really enjoyed this yeah, cool. as well. So uh, it'll be uh, towards the top of my list. Nice. Uh, over at Dynamite, we had James Bond 007 Hammerhead, the first uh, issue by Andy Diggle. And uh, Luca Casalanguida. Nice. That was a good one. I did very, it. That was a really we good pronunciation. Did a good job at that. Rank that one. As far as the pronunciations in this episode, it's probably mm. at the top. Um, I've been loving the uh, Warren Ellis run on James Bond over at uh, Dynamite, but uh, this one was a, a kind of kind of nice little intro to, to Andy Diggle's work. I think he got, got, got the tone right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels stylistically very different to what Warren Ellis has been doing. It's a much less sassy Bond. Um, but it does, uh, you know, have have the uh, a lot more uh, flirty bond in it. Uh, flirting, oh yeah, flirting with one of the arms dealers later on, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know that is a part of James Bond's character that 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 that, that you know is, is important, I guess, to the character. Yeah, uh, he's a he's a he's a uh, he's a player. Hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think it was it was a bit light on on uh, giving you too much meat of the story. Um, so you know, I am going to keep reading it, but. I would have liked to have kind of have a better idea of what what this arc is going to be about after reading this first issue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, basically, it's about uh, James Bond kind of botches uh, his his initial mission. He he uh, ends up killing someone that they were meant to just uh, kind of be spying on, and uh, is barred from. He basically gets sent to do like a babysitting mission uh, in Dubai, and they, that is a really amusing thing where he uh, talks to Money Penny about being in the doghouse. And then uh, he gets given tickets for a red-eye to Dubai economy. <laughs> um, and he goes, I really am in the doghouse, which I thought was, that was a cute little moment. That's then he ends up at an arms fair in Dubai and uh, meets an arms dealer. And uh, they're designing some pretty hectic shit. And there's a spy looking at James Bond who has all the intel on what he's about. So, things are about to get crazy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read this. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's weird to me. I, did, I didn't think that I'd be really enjoying James Bond comics this year, but hey, I hey. am. 
What else have we got, Siobhan? Uh, how about uh, first issue of uh, the new Chimichanga series? I was, I was really hoping you were going to mispronounce this one. The, the Sorrow of Kimmy the Kanga. World's Worst Face by Eric Powell. So, uh, Eric Powell doing something right out of his wheelhouse and uh, drawing a bunch of circus freaks. Well, it's not even Eric Powell on art. It's Stephanie <laughs> so right. Bashima on yep. art. Uh, and the, uh, the art is fantastic throughout this. And this is this is a long-running Eric Powell character. Who's oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. There's a, but there's a couple of Chimichanga books. Okay, and I right. really like her. Okay, she's sure. a She's a little um, bearded lady, and she lives on a freak, in a freak show. Right, yeah. <laughs> and there's been a couple of stories about her. So, I've not, I've not yeah, uh, I've not read. I think Chimichanga is the, is, the, is the monster in this book, right? Is the, oh the, yeah, that she pulls like an elephant from his belly button at yes. one point. So this is like yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a wacky, goofy comic about a, a circus freak show and humanizes all the characters within there. Uh, in this one, a, uh, a a a bad guy with the the world's most disgusting face mm-hmm. and his hair's covered covers his face like cousin it from the Adams family. Uh, it's kind of he's a, he's a criminal on the run and uh, basically it's up to uh, Chimichanga and the main character, the girl with the beard, to uh, to take him down. Lula, I think her yeah. name is. This is like a, a very sweet and fun kind of... Yeah. Oh, I guess it's all ages comic, this one too. Yeah, yeah. Which this is rare be for, for Eric Powell. Absolutely. And um, Stephanie Bashima is such a talented cartoonist. Her stuff manages to look really sort of lived in and old and like... Um, retro but still it has it has so much sort of movement and life to it and i think she's i think she's a huge talent uh oh, missed a lot <laughs> drawing all my books everywhere here uh we missed a uh, a titan comic another one uh from oh, the yep. hard ki- hard case crime imprint that they've started uh this one is uh, we reviewed one last week called uh trigger man which we thought was pretty good mm-hmm. uh this one is written by krista force and uh art by krista faust sorry and um art by gary phillips uh this one's called peepland and these are like a uh, you know noir crime comics uh very gritty very uh you know over the top kind of grindhouse elements lots of boobs and uh, a lot of boobs in this one well it's uh it's set in a peep peep show room a peep mm-hmm. show house peep house yeah um and uh we see a kind of a a crime take place and uh, basically like a you know, a, a voyeur video maker accidentally films a murder and um, he runs into the peeps to escape, gives um, one of the performers the videotape and says, I'll come back for this. And then he gets promptly shot. Oh, no, he gets hit by a train. He gets, he gets thrown in front of a train. Mm. Um, and so the rest of this book kind of follows uh, the the stripper at the peep show, um, her trying to escape her would-be killers and, and uh, watch the, the tape that this guy's given her. Um, I thought it was kind of good. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Like it's just a, it's a straight up crime comic with some very seedy elements, um, and it's very purposely over the top. And I don't think it is in an exploitive way at all. No, no, yeah. no, no. It's not. I mean, like the peep, uh, like stripper characters are sort of all presented very humanely, and you yeah. know the fact that she's obviously the hero hero of the story is really cool. Yeah, um, I'm definitely. Oh, I'll, I'll read. Give it another couple of issues. Yeah, it's pretty totally. good fun. Yeah, I, I don't know how long this hard case crime imprint has existed for, but I've liked both of these ones so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, finally, Warlords of Appalachia. Appalachia. God damn it. <laughs> Appalachia. Um, did you read this one? No, I don't think I did. Can I? Sorry. This one's written uh, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with uh, Jonas Scarf and uh, Doug Garbach on art through Boom Studios. And it is basically about like post-Civil War, Kentucky uh, is independent from the rest of America. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, and uh, they refer to it as kind of like a hillbilly run country. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're at war with the rest of America. Yeah. Uh, troops. Uh, it follows... Basically follows, um, uh, like the, the the main character is. Oh, I wish I could tell you more about this. Um, 
So after the new confederacy is, is crushed in a second civil war, only Kentucky holds out, refusing to recognize U.S. sovereignty. This leads to a particularly brutal crackdown in a small mountain town called Red Rock, where mechanic and reluctant folk hero Cade Mercer rises up to become the first feudal warlord of... What is it? What's it called? Appal- Appalachia? Appalachia. How do you know what, how to pronounce that? Isn't it the Appalachian Mountains? <coughs> how do you know what they are? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I know things. <laughs> I'm learning things today. Um, but yeah, it's, it's described as um, Southern Bastards meets June. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it's great. The art, cool. is, art is the absolute high point of this. It, um, I don't know how... It looks very like Mitch Jarrett's almost. Yeah, um, but also like a little bit more cartoonish. So almost mm. uh, like uh, Chris Sumney mm. as well. Um and uh, yeah, there's a, a bunch of uh, like drug addicted youths whose skin have turned blue, oh, and the main character's Cade, his son, is is a blue. But he, so they don't talk, they don't really communicate. But he's like a good blue. I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on in this comic. It's a mm. uh, pretty heavy handed in parts, a lot of death, but uh, it's pretty compelling and a weird, a weird concept that I've not seen done before. Yeah, cool. So that is the end of first things first. Are we ready for our rankings? Oh God, I feel like I've done a really mental ranking. Okay, because great. Because a lot of it's like. Just fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a problem with uh with with uh with these books. A lot of them are just fine. Yep. Um. So, all right. I'm gonna go. Should we do your first or? Okay. All right. Well, my my number one pick mm-hmm. is the Electric Sublime. I yep. definitely think everyone should go. That, absolutely. Yeah. And like, check that out. Completely took me by surprise. It's Stacks of Comics still at Stacks of Copies still at Kings. If you want to come get one, really, then, really great. Um, <laughs> then I'm gonna put Great Lakes Avengers and Mosaic mm-hmm. together. Okay. The second, then Chimera Brigade because I did enjoy that. Yep. Then Chimichanga. Mm-hmm. Then Peepland. Then Clone Conspiracy. Then Solo Reborn and James Bond. Whoa! Wow, you really did not like James Bond. There's that was your right. least favorite number one this week. <laughs> okay, cool. I know. See, that was the problem. It wasn't my least favorite number one, but I got. I was um, rushed. Electric Sublime number one for me. Yep. Number two was uh, the Lost Boys. Wow. Um, actually, no, I definitely enjoyed Warlords of, what is it? Appalachia. Appalachia. Appalachia, more than that. So that's number two. Lost Boys, number three. Um, the October Faction, number four. Rivers of London, number five. James Bond, number six. Peepland, number seven. Reborn, number eight. Chimichanga, number nine. Great Lakes Avengers, number 10. Mosaic, number 11. Clunk Conspiracy, number 12. Solo, number 13. Uh, Black Light District, Chimera Brigade, and Dirk Gently's detective agency tied whatever the last one was. Nice. You read so many more than me this week. <coughs> it's tough. I think, <laughs> I think the main thing that you should take from that is that you should read um, Electric Sublime. Yes, definitely. Daniel and everyone else listening, do you like it when we rank these first issues? It was kind of fun. Yeah. It, it definitely shows uh, how the intricacies of uh, Siobhan and our, my different tastes, I guess. Mm, absolutely. That's appealing. Mm-hmm. You know what else I love, Siobhan? Coins. I love flipping that goddamn coin <laughs> to figure out whether we should review DC or Marvel's output next. Heads is... DC. All right. And it is heads. Yay! So we're going to do DC All first right. this week. So this week, I mean, I know we've been called out before about complaining about comics, and I hate that I always have to pref- preface like this <laughs> this discussion each week. I know it is an absolute entitlement to be able to read as many comics as we do, and it's not We're really a complaint. Lucky. But this week, more than other weeks, I uh, you know I prioritize the number ones. I, uh, I I divide up all my comics into DC and Marvel, and I kind of tend to read those ones first because they're the quickest to get through. Mm-hmm. But I always end like you know before we 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 come in to record. There's always like a few books that i haven't read yet and they're always ongoing series that i that i love through mm. image 
that I just haven't gotten like you know, I didn't read yeah. the Black Monday murders no, this week either. and and uh, and I think this week for me it was like all right I've given all of these reborn books a big chance and I was quite ruthless in my decision to drop quite a few of them. All so, right, I'm interested to see which ones you're dropping. And uh, if it, and if Siobhan, if you if you want to dispute my decision or if anyone listening wants to dispute the decision, please let us know on Facebook. We're actually going to set up a Facebook group. Yeah, that would be awesome. To encourage more discussion between uh, ourselves and listeners, so uh, stay tuned for that. Again, uh, at the uh, request of uh, one of our faithful listeners, Andre, thanks so much for listening, my dog. Yeah, um, so uh, let's kick off. DC, Vertigo, and Young Animal. They're mm-hmm. all the same thing, so I guess they all got included in this. Uh, God, I, I, I've got All-Star Batman number three at the top of my pile. All right, well, let's start with that. I love this book. I think it is the book that I wanted. Scott Snyder, who has such a great knowledge and love of obscure Batman shit. This is the book that I I, I wanted him to write. I prefer it so much more to, to like what his Batman run ended up becoming. Yeah. It's so fun. It's... Yeah. <laughs> No, it is. It's definitely fun. It's not my favorite thing of all time. Like, it's neither very, it is. But it's, like, yeah, it's, it's definitely like, uh, like it's definitely trying to be really cinematic. You know, like all of the sort of like, you can almost hear the like, pooh, 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 and like the big sort of like, uh, KG beast enhanced slow twitch muscle fibers for endurance. Oh, I, and stuff. I, I but, like, love that. It sounds a like bit. a like Monster Energy drink in my brain. Um. <laughs> And it like it's it's definitely it's it's the silliest Batman comic I've read in a long time. Which I is love heaps. that like yeah, that's really good. That's fun. what I love so much about it. And, that's and really good fun. And the, you know the, the obscure characters don't just extend to various villains that are coming to try and kill Batman. Um, we also get the return of one of my favorite weird characters from the nineties, uh, and that is Harold Allnut. I don't know this character <laughs> at all. So for a while, and I swear he was in like Hush as well. Uh, Batman had a character, a mute character, like a hunchback dude that would live in the Batcave, and he was like Batman's Q, who just right, like right, made right. his inventions and like fixed his outfit and mm. worked on the Batmobile. And you I really remember, need someone like that. Yeah, and I remember like, yeah, he couldn't ask one of his fucking hundred like sidekicks to do it. <laughs> um, but he he went away for a while, and it turns out that uh, he's been living like you know in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Um, but he still stays in touch with Bruce, and and Bruce drives. Oh, sorry, Duke Thomas drives Batman and Two-Face there to, to patch Harvey up after he gets uh, a couple of... Ninja stars in the face. ...from KG Beast. Also, KG Beast is just Beast now. Lame. Um, there's also one, probably the most I laughed this week, which is just like the hilarious takedown of uh, <laughs> the Royal, the Flush, Royal Gang. Flush Gang, who are very stupid characters in DC. <laughs> they all dress like, uh, like you know, knights and cards. And they fly around aces. on a giant card. Hilarious. <laughs> KG Beast. Like, they, they, don't even, they don't even come to attack KG Beast. They just come to talk to him, ask him a question. And, uh, and then KG Beast just, just throws like a grenade at them and just destroys them all. It's Amazing. fantastic. I do like, I do like how much... Like time the KG Beast is getting in this book. That's fun. Yeah. Because, like, he's such a dorky character. And I loved the bit where, um, you know, Bruce is fighting up against the KG Beast and the sort of detailing all of the stuff that KG Beast has, like all of the really high-tech weaponry and stuff that he has. And all Batman has is, like, bat knuckles, which are, like, spikes that come out of his knuckles with little, spikes, with yeah, little bats on the yeah. end. Like, ludicrous. <laughs> that must have been fun for... Um, <laughs> JRJR to, to yeah, draw. Well, and and he is in his element drawing this. Like he, yeah, this the is more the insane best. you let John Romita Jr. get, the be- like you know, and just let blood and sweat and acid and stuff just sp- splash all over the characters. Yeah, you know, just just like fantastic energy throughout it. Uh, this this 
that uh, this issue ends with Batman getting splashed with uh, the same acid that fucked up Two Face's face in uh, the eyes. In the eye. So who knows what's going to happen Batman. there? Why Batman? Um, I'd read three issues of that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the 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 backup. It's called Daredevil. <laughs> the backup from Declan Shalvey is oh, so good. I mean, guys. that that is the, the I think the stronger narrative going on here. But yeah, you know, and I'm sure Scott Snyder knows that. Yeah. Uh, we we have a little bit of great you know world building for Duke Thomas and. Uh, you know, it's always great to read a Zaz story, but it's just, it is such a great looking backup. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I, this is, this is a fun, this is a fun Batman book. It's not, it's not like, I like Detective Batman. That's my favorite version and this of the certainly character. Is no and this is not mode. like, this is like straight up fighting. Which yeah, is like, but it's, is but fun. it's also celebrating the incredible back catalogue of villains that that he has and and history. It, it's just it's a, it's it is like this like it's like a trailer for this never ending trailer for the dumbest movie ever starring Batman, which yeah. I, is appealing. I mm, think. Absolutely. Um, also, through Batman this week, we had Detective Comics number nine hundred forty two, which wrapped up the Night of the Monster Men arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one written by uh, Steve Orlando with James Tinney in the fourth, um, art by someone McDonald, old McDonald. I think I made that joke last time. And it wasn't nice. good then, but it is good now. <laughs> um, it is Andy McDonald. Nowhere near as catchy. Um, yeah, this... Uh, this I, I wasn't sold on this event at first, but I ended up getting kind of on board. Like, again, it's not my favorite Batman story, but it's fun. And, and, and it introduces a bunch of weird, crazy stuff that, that Batman's introduced to Gotham from, like, the, uh, the street lights that project his... Like, a hologram of his image to mm-hmm. calm down passers-by to, like... All of the Wayne Towers having like mechs built into them, like yeah. big, big gunships. I built really, into them. for a minute, I thought that all of the buildings were going to like move and they were going to become like a big Voltron Batman. Yeah, and I, I got a bit overexcited, yeah. but then that didn't happen. Uh, but uh, but man, Andy McDonald does some great work on this. I really, I've, I don't know his work at all, but this is farm. like some very pretty watercolors. on that farm. He has Hugo Strange, E-I-E-I-O. Um, Hugo Strange has a, a nice showdown with Batman, and then we get a nice little end moment with uh, with Cat Kane and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, and also, man, I really like like the sort of the way that like it's such a classic Batman solution to the to the Hugo Strange problem is they get. Uh, spoilers, but Clayface encircles the building. Oh yeah, great. And Clayface so like. Cutting off the oxygen, and it's just because Batman has trained so hard that he can like survive without oxygen for heaps longer than anyone else. So Hugo Strange collapses, and Batman's like, "I'm fine." Yeah, but that's great. <laughs> like, great, great Batman ending. I loved that. And um, you know, we we, we spent a lot of like we've we've really enjoyed James Tinney and the fourth's uh, detective run so far, but we've often said I can't wait for him to do more with Clayface. Mm. And if anything else, like this 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 story did lots of really fun things with Clayface, from him controlling you know hundreds of soldiers to him engulfing totally. this entire building with his face it was yeah. great yeah. great so yeah like very very silly batman again so we got a, a big double dose of silly batman absolutely this week, and this know. is this is leading into the next um big batman story arc which is going to be bane focused which is all very exciting I yeah think. totally and then uh detective is doing something called uh the victim syndicate oh cool and that i wonder what's what, what are we going to find out what happened to tim drake mm. <laughs> yeah i feel like that's gonna disappear for a minute do you want to pick the next little world are we, are we still in the bat world should we do bat yeah, yeah, girl yeah. should we do bat girl on the birds of prey so this book is potentially on the chopping block oh gosh i want to like it i just think it's a bit dull i really really liked this issue i think it had a lot of really awesome stuff in it for longtime birds of prey fans um like they had some really great history for black canary i enjoyed that part of um it. which is like she's a character who's also had one of those sort of 
really confused backstories because there's a number of timelines and a number of different Black Canaries. Um, And so this gave us a really cool look at her early life and how she sort of develops her her, um, canary cry and stuff like that, which was really well done, I think. And there's some awesome um, facial expressions and character work done by Claire Rowe on this, which I love. So what I love about this book is the interactions between the Birds of Prey and and between um, Babs and and Commissioner Gordon. I think that's really strong. Mm. I think the villains in this arc are boring. And they're all the snake guys. It's all the snake sure, villains. No, no, no. They're, they're the hired mercs to <laughs> yeah. carry out, but the actual villains behind this and their motivations are boring. Right. Yeah. I want to know who the Oracle is. I, want, I wish they would focus on that more than this weird underworld that I don't really care about. But on the plus side, um, Black Canary uses her screech Mm. Her sonic scream mm-hmm. uh, twice in this issue, and, and it, like I, I put, that puts a smile on my face every time. Yep, and um, there's some really, really great um, characterization for Huntress. There's like Claire Rowe does brilliant grumpy facial expressions for her, and I find her really funny in this series. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm still intrigued by the who is Oracle kind of story. I think that there's. Mm. Well, that's that's what that's this. what's got its claws stuck into me, and that's why I'm going to stick around for a bit longer and, uh, and and see where this story goes. I want to find out who that dang oracle is, y'all. Yeah, I like it. It's cool. Any other bat books? I guess Red Hood and the Outlaws is one. Did you? Oh read this no, this I week? didn't read it. Um, so yeah, we continue um, him kind of introducing. We we, we 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 meet Bizarro, this version of Bizarro, which has ties to Lex Luthor. Um, and also has ties to what's going on in the Superwoman book this week. So okay. this is a nice kind of seag into into the Superbooks next. Um, it's this is getting less and less good as it continues, but it's still like kind of a fun enough story for me to kind of just read quickly. Mm. And you know, it's 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 not too heavy, not not too heavily themed. And it looks like this version of Bizarro could be pretty tolerable. Oh yeah, does he still talking Bizarro speak? Like almost kind of. He does say me and Bizarro, but not. He's he he doesn't he doesn't talk that often. Okay, well, that's um, probably best. Uh, Artemis, I'm with you on her depiction not being as strong as it could be, mm-hmm. um, but Black Mask is pretty good in it, and um, and Jason Todd is is doing good stuff in here. So, okay, cool. Yeah, look, there's enough for me to stick around on this one. Yeah. Uh, in the super books is where we're going to find out which t- which titles I just cannot be bothered with anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly, while we're still in the bat first, because the um, current Deathstroke um, arc is on the hunt for Batman. Really? Yeah. He's in like 10 other books. Just read one of those. Yeah, so this is written by, it just says Priest, which is pretty funny, and Joe Bennett on pencils with Mark Morales on inks. Um, This is such a weird book. I don't, I still don't understand. I don't really understand why I'm reading it, but I can't stop Mm -hmm. Um, because it's still like, the story is now Deathstroke and his daughter Rose, also known as the Ravager, um, working together because someone's put a hit out on Rose. And now they're trying to, um, basically this issue sees them trying to like, just get Batman's attention, I think, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, and so they have to do that in a number of increasingly sort of insane ways. But the way that this book jumps back and forwards between time periods without actually telling you when it's happening or what's going on is super confusing. There is a very weird father-daughter dynamic between um, the Ravager and Deathstroke. Like, there's a bit where, for no reason... Wrote, like the Ravager comes out of the bathroom and Deathstroke is just standing there naked and she's like, oh, what? And everyone's like, oh, don't mind him. But that's your daughter. This <laughs> yeah, pig's no. weird, man. I don't understand. Like, and, you know, the naked body is fine and it's not always sexualized, but it's very, it's very weird that they would make the Rose character explicitly sexualized and then have her in this weird relationship with her dad. No, agreed, yeah. Very, very odd, odd, very odd. Um, but I'm still reading it, so hey, 
Must Joke, be doing jokes something, on you, right? Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so over the Superbooks now, um, and it's a it's a. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You know, we, we we've talked about it before. It's pretty convoluted. It's pretty in- insane to try and describe to someone what's going on yep. exactly with the uh, different time placed Supermans and the death of certain characters. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a kind of crazy theory what they did, killing the uh, New Fifty Two super- Superman and bringing in the older Superman to take mm-hmm. their place. Same as uh, Lois Lane is di- dead now, and so mm-hmm. this deals with the old Lois Lane taking the place of the New Fifty Two one, and uh, it's like an almost kind of espionage kind of book of her infiltrating the Daily Planet and trying to go through the office um, and have convince everyone that she's the regular Lois Lane that, mm. they've, that, they've, that they know and love. Um, and, you know, even though she's been away for a while, she's been supposedly working on a, a biography of Superman. Uh, and everyone seems to buy it. Um, yeah. Including Lex Luthor and Perry and all the other staff, including the weird Clark Kent, who's mm-hmm. such a bizarre. Like, it, it is a, this is a very strange Superman book. Absolutely. Which, and that's quite appealing. Like, mm. it's good to kind of read a Superman book where you're not really sure what any of the characters are or yeah. what they do. Yeah. But, Absolutely. Um, it ends with a uh, with an appearance from Lana Lang, who is Superwoman at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, you know, I don't know who you are, but I know you aren't her. If you think you can replace Lois Lane, you'll have to go through me. So here comes my quandary. Right. Uh, we're going to review Superwoman and Supergirl next. I find Superwoman to be a very overwritten kind of mess of a book that has elements that I like. Yeah. But overall, I just can't be bothered with it. And I end up kind of getting halfway through it and then just skimming it through till the end. Yeah, totally. And I don't think like me doing that means I can talk about it week to week because I'm not giving it the, the read it deserves, but I, I just can't, I can't, I, it's not, I can't get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I'm just realizing that I accidentally only read half of it. You see, Again, you're in the same nice boat. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but it is, it is a wordy book. And I think part of the problem is because of how convoluted, the Superman world is right now. Like we've got multiple Lois Lanes, multiple Superman, multiple Clark Kents, and we just have to kind of figure out what's going on within that. And then mm. there's all this like 
Yeah, like, I mean, if you haven't been following the new 52 Superman books, like, there's, you know, why is, why is Lana Lang a scientist and dating Steel now? Yeah, it's totally. sort of uh, It's sort of confusing, and I, I and understand that. And that part sucks, that book. Like, their, yeah. their back and forth is just so unnatural, and, like, yeah. I, I really liked this issue of action comics. Yeah, me too. I that's what I said. I, I really like, I really, I'm not going to drop action. I really I enjoy action. I wish that there was just a Lois Lane book. Yeah, well, I mean, and I thought that's what Superwoman was going to be, but then they killed her in the first issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, seemingly. She might not be actually dead because it appears that she can kind of still make her presence known. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot going on. You have Lana, no, what's her name? Lena Luthor. Lena Luthor. <clears throat> trying to take on Lex Luthor. Um, yeah, it's, th- it's still a lot going on. And I, I, yeah. I, I don't love much of it. Yeah, it involves, it involves, like, for you to be able to enjoy Superwoman, you need to have a really thorough understanding of Superman history. You have to know who Lena Luthor is. You have to understand Lex Luthor and their complicated relationship. But I you love Lex to- Luthor. He's yeah, one of my totally. favorite characters. And, but yeah. there's, there's just so much um, required reading for this book yeah, that it's, under- it's almost yeah. impossible to enjoy. I don't understand that, like, you know, Lex seems to be one of the main characters of action comics at the moment. Why is he also a main character in Superwoman? Yeah, totally. Like, you've already got so much to try and convey with Lara's story, Lana's story, so yeah. why don't you just dedicate time to that instead of doing this weird Lena-Lex thing? Yeah, agreed. Which is kind of better than a Superwoman story anyway, but I don't know, whatever. I, I think I'm going to drop Superwoman. Yeah, I think I might as well. Uh, I will also definitely drop Supergirl, <clears throat> which is really unfortunate because I really like Steve Orlando as a writer. I just This has not grabbed me one bit. <clears throat> um, this is uh, issue two of Supergirl, so the third issue if you include the Rebirth issue, uh, and it's about cyborg Superman outing himself as Supergirl's father potentially yeah and her not believing him and then I don't know other shit happens did you like this um I thought it was okay what I would like more I feel like Supergirl should be just an all ages Superman book and have it be like a freak of the week type yes deal because DC doesn't have any of those freak of the week style books at the moment like all these big ongoing epics which is not like it's fine it's good it's It's why we read superhero no it's why we with some yeah you need to to have it diversify it yeah agreed Um, and just all this like we know Supergirl's history I wish that we could just let go of the like like I feel like the same problem with the Supergirl TV show is it's always like ah now there's all these Kryptonian villains running around and it's like surely there could be other threats for her to deal with that would be way cooler and I'm way more interested in seeing how you know a Kryptonian girl deals with life on Earth and learning how to be a teenage Earth girl Mm. and that kind of stuff that's heaps more interesting than fighting Cyborg Superman who may or may not be Zor-El like I just I, like even though I'm sure that's something that's never happened before. It feels like it's something I've read before, yeah. and I just I think you could do better with a Supergirl book. Is all I really like the art though. I think Brian Ching's a good um a good choice. He, he has a very cartoony style. It seems like it should be an all ages comic, and I like the bits. I like the bits where Supergirl is like at school or where she's like at her sort of new semi internship thing. Um, I think all that stuff's great. But yeah, and also I liked the the werewolf Kryptonian werewolf character, but I thought he would be like mm. the main focus of this story. But it isn't. He's just kind of this weird background character that was in like two pages of this story. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna drop this one for sure. Okay. Well, Bye-bye. I'm give it a couple more. We'll see how it goes. <coughs> um, new Superman by uh, Glenn or Gene? Gene. Gene Luan Yang. I remember the second and third parts of his name, just yeah. not Gene. Is he a Gene or a Glenn? Uh, and uh, art by um, Ian Bogdanovich. Um, I uh, still enjoying this this fun, goofy, kind of weird Chinese <laughs> super, superhero story. And um, you kind of see that 
his dad is the is the bad guy from a mile away. But at the end, end of this issue, we uh, we get confirmation. So yeah, uh, that's gonna be fun. Family, Still love Tubby family. Batman. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Tubby Batman's the best. I really want. I, I kind of want to see more of those guys more than than, than we're seeing of the, of the main super, of the of Superman at the moment. Mm. I'm way more interested in, in in finding out more about the Chinese Wonder Woman and the Chinese Batman than I am about the main characters. So hopefully this, this series exists long enough for us to kind of delve further into their stories. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, over to Suicide Squad number I four. I did not read that. I've yeah. just I've fully given up on that man. So they they uh they finished this arc. Um. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Captain Boomerang is dead. Oh, and, oh uh, dear! But, and and now Amanda Waller has Zod imprisoned and on in in her base in her base. Uh, and then we get this uh, kind of cool, cool little story between Rick Flag and Harley Quinn that I actually kind of enjoyed. Oh yeah, with um, great art by Gary Frank. So uh, you know, I was about to say that looks. Not that Jim Lee. Yeah, no. So, well, Jim Jim Lee does the first 12, 12 pages of this story. So, oh, in a way, he is up. doing a monthly... Because his book is double shipping, mm. he is doing a monthly book. But instead of, of doing, like, the full issue, he just does the first half of the issue. That's annoying. I don't know. Just make it a monthly book. Yeah, I, I mean, But I guess book. you are, you know, you, this is probably their biggest, one of their biggest selling titles. So, whatever. You make that, make, make that money, DC. Should we talk about Wonder Woman? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, this is a like a filler issue. I thought this was a um, a continuation of the uh, year one story that Nicholas Scott's been drawing with a fill in artist, but it's actually like a little. Kind it's of, almost like Cheetah Year One. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's her name? Doctor Barbaran Minerva, mm-hmm. um, aka Cheetah. We see her origin story, and the art on this one is done by Bilquis Everly. And I really enjoyed his his artwork her. in this. Her artwork. Oh, great. Mm. I thought you said her name was Bill. Bilquis. Bilquis, of course. Yeah, it's not a name that I've ever heard before, no. <laughs> but I had to Google her because she did an amazing cover for the first issue of Betty and Veronica. Oh, cool, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only reason that I know her. And I think that she is going to be taking over after Nicola Scott does the six issues that she is planning to do for this series. Oh, so great. I'm super That's down because I really like I really liked this issue. I really <laughs> love the art. I love what they've done with Cheetah as a character. I think it's such a like she's such a well realized character now. Definitely. And it looks like Greg Rucker, like the three main characters in her his Wonder Woman run. Mm. Obviously Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor and Cheetah. So yeah. uh, and, and that, that that exists in in both the year one stories and in the current stories that he's telling in the uh the odd issues mm-hmm. um this is uh hopefully a beginning of an ongoing barbara ann minerva mm. origin story because it certainly doesn't end at a, at a natural end point um it, it kind of has her like potentially she's basically on the on the on the search for themyscira mm-hmm. um and uh she do you think she finds it at the end or well it looks like she has arrived at the island but from the wrong angle or something so she hasn't managed to actually find the city she's sort of I don't know I don't I don't know how they're making it like whether Themyscira is something that you can only reach on a certain plane or something like that um, but because you know we see that sort of evil looking tree that a snake came out of and bit Diana in, yeah. the, in the early issues. So she's found the island. She just doesn't know where the people are. Yeah, uh, and I like this. You know, she's a explorer who has you know a female explorer who has so much to prove in a you know mm. all male world. Absolutely, uh, which is an ongoing theme of this comic. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's great seeing her, her build the character of Barbara mm. instead of just Cheetah being like you know Wonder Woman's scary Nemesis. and an enemy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I said, yeah. I said an enemy instead of enemy. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, the Flash number eight. The finale of uh, the long, I guess, nine-part first story to be mm-hmm. told by um, uh, Josh Williamson and uh, the other guy whose name Siobhan's going to pronounce this week. Yay. Because I always like, oh, I'll do this one. Blah, 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 blah. Carmine Di Gian Domenico. Nailed it. Um, 
this uh, was a pretty good conclusion, I guess, to, to, to this first arc. Um, I really enjoyed the way they wrap this up. I really like the... Um, the stuff that they did with Wally West in this issue—that's really good. The, the fun. new new kid, the new Flash. Wally West. Yep. Um, why did they just? Why didn't they call one of them differently? Wall. Ah, uh, this was. It just seems like a planning error where they just introduced this new Wally West, like just before they decided that they were going to bring back the original. Yeah, Wally. totally. <laughs> and you can't just kill the black kid. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, totally. You can't yeah, do that. No. Um, and he's a good character. He's so a I'm great glad character. They have I, 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 I certainly enjoy his his story so far more than. The actual Wally West over in Titans. So yeah, absolutely. That book sucks. Um, yeah, uh, so we, we see him take down his uh, Godspeed um, with with the help of Kid Flash, and it's it's a great little Flash team. I mean, Flash is excellent at teaming up with other superheroes, especially mm-hmm. other speedsters. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a, this is a really great happy ending, um, as happy as you're going to get in this story. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I think this hopefully if, you know if if it's as strong as this got moving on, this is going to be. It's going to be great. It looks like Mina, who uh, was uh, Flash's love interest, who was sadly killed by Godspeed, is still in the Speed Force somewhere. So Speeds just never really die. No, they're always they're trapped in the Speed jog Force. Jog on forever. Yep. Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Number six is a book that I don't care about, but I still enjoy reading because um, it's fun and the artwork's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's my review. It. It's, not like, <laughs> it's not a mind-blowing comic, but it is the most... This is what a Green Lantern book should feel like for me a little bit because it reminds me of that sort of Green Lantern rebirth, um, Jeff Johns era stuff, probably because Ethan Van Siver is on art. Is he still this on is, art? This uh, is Sandoval. Oh, but, well, but, but, similar but, but, Very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, they work for, they're, 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 that's a perfect team because, like, you know, neither's worse or better than the other, really. They're just yeah. great, very, very capable um, Artists oh, and such such good <laughs> such great Guy Gardner moments in this and great like, Hal Jordan moments. Oh, totally! As well, him bringing an entire battalion of uh, of uh, of planes to take down Sinestro's core is was great. But how good is that that Guy whole Gardner. page yeah, of yeah. Guy Gardner like just face completely beat up, bloody, hanging from chains? Very asking, very good. Asking for more. Yep. Um, and being grossly sexist to the that that, that yeah, I know. funny character. It's just, he's the best. He is the greatest. <laughs> um, the so worst yeah, guy. I, mean, I don't really care about this book, but I'm still reading it. It still isn't the Green Lanterns book I want, uh, but it is one, and I like it more than Green Lanterns. So. Yeah, I would like it if this like if this could exist, and also there was a book about like Kyle being just a space cop. Mm-hmm. That's what I would love. That would be my perfect Green Lantern sort of. Universe. So this ties in quite well to a, uh, a message we received this week on our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. We love hearing from you there. Please Absolutely. write us there or at Serious Issues at um, kingscomics.com on email. Mm-hmm. Um, on the subject, subject of uh, Kyle Rayner, um, we recommended uh, a few books by Tom King, and I'm going to review one in a minute, actually. But uh, a friend of ours, sorry, a, a listener of ours, we'll call him a friend, sure. Hmm. Um, Joel has written in a couple of times. Uh, recently, he asked for us to recommend all of our favorite Tom King books because he likes the vision so much. And we recommended The Omega Men. And he says, given your unbelievably good, given his unbelievably good run on The Vision and your much appreciated recommendations, I picked up Tom King's Omega Men run. And I hate to say it, but I wasn't blown away. Maybe I built it up too much, but it was good, not great. I'm wondering, though, if I'm missing important things by knowing bugger all about DC. I've read Zero Green Lantern before, so is that a factor in getting the most out of it? Don't get me wrong, it was a strong story, well told, but it didn't thrill me like I'd hoped. To be fair, Vision Number 1 took a reread to really blow my mind, and I probably wouldn't have gone back to it without your enthusiasm for series. So sometimes, often, I am wrong about these things. 
I think that you've probably hit the nail on the head. Like, I think that Omega Man is a super enjoyable book, but I think that it was made an incredible book for me because it exists as a DC Universe comic. Yes, and and, and it came out during a time where I was not reading any DC Universe comics. Absolutely. And it was actually what made me kind of start after a year of, you Mm. know, having... I read. I think I read Prez and Multiversity that year, and that mm. was it. Um, I kept hearing great things about Omega Men, and that was like three issues in. So I went and got found those three issues, and then read from there. And I, 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 I love Kyle Rayner, mm-hmm. um, and he he was extremely underutilized in the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. and he's such a core part of that story in such a weird way that I don't think any DC character has been used before. Completely, basically having to do these things against his will, but Absolutely. ended up kind of seeing. The, the way that he's being forced to do things as the right way to mm. do things. I thought that was really unique. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we've spoken in other podca- other episodes about how that the Mega Man is absolutely a story that could only be told through comics, and those are generally the comics that I love the most. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, think, I think it's probably worth a reread because it took me about until, like, I was h- probably about halfway in before I suddenly was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think probably it's one of the books that, really repeated readings will pay off for you. Yeah, it was very um, difficult to read month to month because there's a lot of themes to being introduced at each um, issue that you kind of forget. Absolutely. But I think that having a wider knowledge of um, the DCU and the Green Lantern course specifically brought an extra dimension of appreciation to it for me. Definitely. Yeah. So more stuff just, just read like 10 years worth of Green Lantern comics it's and then, then get back to us and see what you think. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I, I think... I think, um, you know, when, when someone tells you something, someone that you respect, which I hope you do, uh, <laughs> tells you that something's going to be amazing, you're inevitably not going to like it as much as they do because you have a hype build up for exactly, it. Um, exactly. Unfortunately, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. So uh, we'll stop saying things are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just, is everything's average. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, so speaking about Tom King, Sheriff of Babylon number 11, which I believe is the penultimate issue. Um, this is by Tom King with uh, art by Mitch Jarrods. It's an incredible story about... Uh, the Iraqi war and um, a CIA agent over there and um, two other characters local to Iraq, one of whom has spent a considerable portion of her life in America and coming back, returning uh, as a kind of guide between both America and and Iraq. Um, This is not a pleasant book in any sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels funny saying how much I enjoy it because the story is of such a bummer, grisly Mm. note, but I just... I, you know, every month. There's not much to say beyond this is just such a strong and well-written and well-drawn and well-put-together comic that, you know, it's 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 and it's such an intelligent read as well. And it's so different to everything else on the shelf. So, so different. So expertly told. It, it almost feels like it's him kind of turning a documentary into a, into a comic book. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so clearly... And I think that's part of it. Like, it feels so uh, rich and, like textural i think because it's been influenced by his own experiences over there yeah and, and the and horrible shit that he's we seen. know that tom king has a background in, in in the cia we know he spent time in iraq so i can't help but put put him as the main character mm. i don't know if that's intentional or not but mm. uh it makes me like tom king even more mm, absolutely <laughs> um but yeah this is uh it doesn't look like the this is going to give us a particularly happy ending no but it looks like it's going to give us a very fulfilling ending so and i'm um, excited for it i'm ex- i'm excited for it to end only just because then the second trade will come out and i can finish off the series you know it would have been very easy for you to just jump after that first know. trade for these last issues 
Try harder, Siobhan Coombs. Nah. Uh, another um, Vertigo book that Siobhan is reading in, in trade, but like a hero I'm reading single issue, <laughs> single issue uh, is Unfollow. This is issue number 12 by Rob Williams, who is also writing Suicide Squad. This is a far superior book, uh, art by Mike, Mike Dowling. And uh, this is the end of, uh, of of this story. So this this little part, of this this part of this uh, this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's just say, without spoiling too much, that um, on the front cover of uh, each issue, you see it began as 140 survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, so linked to like the 140 characters on Twitter, there are 140 characters who are going to inherit the money of a of, of a dead billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time one of them dies, they inherit more money. And so this uh, issue begins with the number 129. And uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but some shit went down on this oh, issue. Oh, God. Do you want to guess what the number on the on issue 13 is going to be? 85. Oh, my God. Is it? <laughs> 80, 86. Whoa. 86. Well done. Nice. Good guess. Um, so, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm psychic, <laughs> but off a little bit. This was uh, a very, very satisfying end of this arc. Um, great. And uh, on one hand, you have the most action we've seen in this series so far, but there's also some incredible character moments for some unlikely characters that come out as like, I don't know if hero is the right word, but uh, look like they're going to be a powerful figure in this book from now on. So, mm. yeah, really exciting. This is a great, great book. And it's, I mean, it's kind of impossible to me that he's also writing Suicide Squad. Yeah, isn't it bonkers? Uh, finally, through DC, is uh, the second issue of Doom Patrol through Gerard Way's uh, Young Animal imprint, written by Gerard Way, with art by Nick Darrington. Again, I wanted to stress, this art is some of the best art that we've seen this year. Yes, it really is. And great colours that really pop at you. Yeah, um, colours by Tamara Bonvillain. Mm-hmm. Good um, name, Bonvillain. Yeah. Bonvillain, wow. That sounds like an ice cream that kills you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I think I enjoy this issue a lot more than the first issue. Well, this issue gives you like, it, it more pulls story. back the curtain a little bit more. And there was a lot more kind of a- action, I guess. There was a lot more going on. It was faster paced. Um, and it didn't just seem to be a bunch of non sequitur humor and like weird things that you weren't sure if they were going to amount to anything in the future. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought this was, this was a stronger issue overall and, uh, I'm, I quite like this series now. Absolutely. We saw the return of some of a classic Doom Patrol character, Larry Trainer, the negative negative man, I believe he's called. Um, he's in like a new bod. Mm-hmm. We also see the... Um, Cult fa- fan favorite, Flex Metallo. Flex Metallo shows up. Who was expecting that? Not me. I was pretty excited by that. Um, and also Robot Man is put back together. Yep. So now we've got, we've got Robot Man fully formed as well, which is always... Oh, I love Robot Man. Yeah, and this ends with um, the main character. Um, I don't know what her name is. The main yeah, character. I can't remember her name either. But she ends up in Danny Land, which is a land mm. dedicated to Danny. What's the negative man, I guess? Is, mm. it, is her name Casey? Yeah, Casey. Yeah, Casey but I don't know who. Yeah. I don't know who. I don't know what Danny Land is. Wasn't that the main character that came back, Danny? No, it's Larry. Larry. Oh, right. I don't Larry know what the fuck Danny Land is. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm very into it. This is yeah. such a weird book, but it's so. It's Ooh, knowingly it's a- weird, but it, it's char- it has a lot of charm to it. So Absolutely. And it's weird in like a, I want to know what's going on, as opposed to a, this is annoying me, shut up. And power to, like, I mean, the compliments really deserve, uh, Nick Darrington deserves a lot of compliments because he is able to put this quite confusing story into a very easy to follow um, storytelling yeah. panel. And there's still there's still plenty of stuff which is weird and unexplained, like the Casey, the character, pulls a tooth out and in the tooth is a little rolled up note that just says good job. Yeah, I wonder What's if that? that's going to be explained at all. Who's that for? And there was another little non-sequitur, um, Niles Calder Yeah, I love that. That's great. Showing up. Him just um, said, What's he up to? 
Mm-hmm. What are you doing, Niles Calder? And it's just him in a held air balloon going past a rock going face with his face chiseled into it. Who then looks up and watches him fly away. <laughs> Great. Real good. And the um the the preview in the back for Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. I found thrilling. Yeah, definitely. I also read just quickly as the last DC thing. Okay, I read you talk about two. this to our listeners. I'm going to get a cough lozenge so I stop coughing. Nice. <laughs> well, while he's gone, listeners, I'm going to tell you how much Levin sucks. No. Um, so I read the second issue of Gotham Academy second semester. So this is like the kids are back at school and Detective Club is back together. All right. Um, but they have a new enemy in the form of Witch Club who all seem to be... Uh, brainwashed or something like that and it's going to take the full power of the detective detective club to um, figure out what's going on I really like this series I think that it's a great one for young readers I think that it really captures the spirit of that sort of Harry Potter slash Enid Blyton-esque um, boarding school fun drama which I have had a huge connection to for my entire life um, so I'm into it Great. Like, it's just great. It's just great for young readers. Also, Levins is back. I'm back with an antiseptic uh, mm. cough lozenge. They're really nice. cool. Ah, oh, delicious. They numb your throat. Mm. We're going to talk about Marvel books now. Um, two long-running series. Uh, one of them uh, was this is issue 11, but it actually ran for, I think, 15 or 16 issues. Is mm. Howard the Duck by Chip Zdarsky and Joe Quinones. And uh, the 25-issue-long Star Wars Darth Vader by Kieran Gillen and uh, Salvador La Roca. They both ended. Mm-hmm. You didn't read Darth Vader, did you? I didn't you? read Darth Vader. I got tired quickly. of it. Um, I thought this was a really, really strong ending to mm-hmm. probably the most consistent of the uh, long-running... Well, really, this and Star Wars are the only one that have kind of run longer than six or so issues. Um, but I thought this was uh, a, a really strong ending. I, I like that they kind of really stuck to the, to the, to the landing that, that this is Darth Vader, the villain. Mm. You don't really get much pathos from him whatsoever. He just is driven in his desire to kind of be the number one in the eyes of the emperor mm. and uh he does some pretty ruthless and cold shit in this and i thought it was cool yeah nice um because you know you could argue that the the prequels kind of undid all of the villainous stuff that he did in uh, uh episodes mm. four five and six of star wars but this is uh yeah just cold-blooded killer darth vader cool <laughs> and um it uh kind of we know that uh, Kieran Gillen is going to stay in the Star Wars universe. He's going to write a Doctor Aphra um, yep. comic, and Doctor Aphra is the one, who, the girl who made uh, the evil versions of C three PO and R two D two. That's going to be an ongoing um, after this. But uh, so we kind of see a, have a little finale for her and Darth Vader as well, which is really satisfying. And then we get a little bit of bonus bit at the end as well, where we see what, what's what's going on there. Uh, yeah, I thought this was just like it's great to see. Um, Kieran Gillen be given the chance to finish this story you mm. know um, obviously the story of Darth Vader is long from over because we've got two whole movies and who knows how many more, more comic book series to go after this but it was just a really natural great conclusion to this arc and uh, you know Salvador LaRocca probably did some of his career's best work during it nice so yeah this will be a fun I reckon this is going to be you know in a couple of years time people are going to remember this entire run very fondly and uh, this ending was a great one awesome cool um, we also got the final issue, as you said, of Chip Zdarsky and Joe Quinone's Howard the Duck. What did you think? Um, I thought it was a bit too meta. 
Um, I mean, this last this last story arc really did get, but this issue in particular, yeah. um, Not only did did you do you have other you know alternate world versions of of Chip Zdarsky and Joe Quinones, this also introduced a alternate world version of um, Axel Alonso, Alonso. (laughs) Um, and like the Ryan North shows up again. Hilarious. (laughs) Yes, and. Although, like, you know, basically after they, they agree that they'll leave Howard the Duck alone for a short amount of time, but he's bound to be rebooted at some point. Like, yeah. you know, basically it's a big commentary on, on, on superhero comics in general. It was really fun. I think they did a great job on this. And again, like, this will probably be a great read uh, in, in trade. Absolutely. And it has a really, like, I mean, Chip Zdarsky is one of those guys who um, is very, very, very funny and then will get you with a really emotional, poignant moment. Yeah. And this was a beautiful ending um, to the series. I think it really ties up Howard's sort of... Uh, just ties it up really nicely, does an awesome thing for the Bev character at the end. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. There was like some sweet stuff with the Iron Punisher and his newfound love of cats. Yeah, and some amazing Spider-Man jokes. Like, Give Chip Zdarsky a Spider-Man book. He writes and the Ryan funniest. North too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them. Oh my god, that would be the best. Ryan North is so funny. We should also mention that um, Siobhan finished the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats oh, up the yes. Marvel universe. Very funny. Very good. Very good Spider-Man moments in that book too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think Marvel's best gets of the last year have been Chip Zdarsky and Ryan North. Agreed. And obviously Erica Henderson, and they've had a. Uh, Joe Quinone is doing stuff for a couple of years. He did unbelievable work on this. Probably career best work on this too. Like hmm. this book was beautiful for for a goofy comedy book about Howard the Duck um, the whole way through. So yeah, this is and, and this is a great one to own in, in single issue format. Just because it has, I love it when a run ends and you get an incredible letter from the creators at the end. And Chip mm-hmm. is you know he's funny and he's heartfelt at the end, and he you know thanks all the right people and. Yeah, I felt really good reading, finishing this 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 book. Yeah, good run, absolutely good run, good run, well finished. Nice and job, guys. Looking forward to uh, finally someone doing something good with Star Lord after um, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning stopped writing, and because yeah. Chip Zdarsky is doing that next with uh, Phil Anker, Chris Anker, Ooh, Chris Anker. Yeah, very excited. Who's oh, Phil Anker? Anker? Is he a guy I that exists? Don't know. Is he like a like a Vegas singer? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Um, cool. What do you want to review next, Siobhan? Uh, just because it's right here in my lap. How hey, about Uncanny Avengers issue 15? Which is a Civil War II aftermath story. And yeah, Civil War remember, II is long from over. Remember how it ended and everyone was happy with that ending? Remember how good it was? That said, I kind of enjoyed this. Yeah. How good is Pepe Larraz? I've, I really thought that this was like Nick Bradshaw the whole way through. Mm-hmm. This is some This is some high quality Art Adams yes, style. Art. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this... Uh, is an Avengers team uh, that's been disbanded by Captain America, but they're still going on regardless because the rest of the team doesn't know that Rogue, Cable, and Deadpool have been sacked by um, by Cap. So they round up, um, or, or Doctor Voodoo comes in and, and kind of they, they, they to, try, to try and stop the hand from resurrecting Bruce Banner. Um, they round up the rest of the Uncanny Avengers and they go to Tokyo. Tokyo. Of course, where else will they hand be? And meet up with Elektra and start fighting ninjas. Great. Yeah. So cool that Elektra's in this. Yeah, I liked this. Yeah. Like, A, great banter between Rogue and Deadpool. Yeah. Who would have thought that that would be like a natural team up, but it was. No, you know what? I think for the first time, for the most part anyway, anyway, like Marvel finally know how to use Deadpool properly in, in, in books. And mm. a lot of that has to do with Jerry Duggan. So, yeah. like, I think... Yeah, I think Jerry Duggan's role at Marvel is going to expand in, in years to come for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's already writing a fucking Avengers book. Where do you go from here? But mm. he's, I reckon I reckon he's going to do an event next year. 
Mm. That's my that's my hot hot tip. All right. Um. So yeah, Uncanny Avengers. This is a good book. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought yeah. that was good fun. Um, The Punisher, number six by Becky Cloonan with art by Steve Dillon. Yo, this was good. This was good, wasn't this it? Really, this was a really, really good issue. Last I issue, loved this. You, you didn't get to re- review because I did. Well, I did it in my own when I was going crazy in my room by myself for an hour. <laughs> mm. But uh, this is this is an excellent run. Um, it delves into the history of Frank Castle and brings new stuff to the way he he interacts with mercenaries while he's in the army. Mm-hmm. That was really really interesting and just I think it's the best Steve Dillon's art has ever looked. It really does look amazing, doesn't mm. it? It's so good. Such a such a good book. Ends with a really awesome Punisher fucking clawing his way out from a grave. Yes. Sick, awesome, um, great art. I love the history that you get of Frank Castle and sort of his his attitude and how he how he uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Just how he behaved as a marine. You yeah. know, like his the the sort of code that he lived by. Um, totally. It's really good. And yeah, Steve Dillon is just brilliant in this. So it's, good. It's really difficult to do new things with with the Punisher, and I feel especially like as Steve Dillon. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like th- this this is a great creative team They're doing yeah, a great, great, agreed. great Punisher run. I think that the colors um, it's got Frank Frank Martin and Lee Duhigg on colors, um, and I think that they're doing some amazing things for well, Steve I mean, Dillon's like I said, like, art. Yeah, the Steve Dillon's art really comes alive, and it adds a lot of depth that you normally don't see in his art. Mm. You know, you, you go back and you read Preacher now, and it looks good, but it doesn't look as good as this. Yeah, it's very flat. <laughs> The cuffles and just they do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shouts to this flu that has taken everyone I know down if at you, some point yeah. this year. Uh, I have avoided it so far. I'm, I'm, I'm coughing. You know, we're not using the same mic. Don't worry. <laughs> no coughing into this mic. Um, should we talk about a, a Marvel comic we loved or a Marvel comic we did not love? Uh, let's talk about one we loved. Moon Knight. Yay! Issue 7 by the incredible creative team of Jeff Lemire, James Stucco, and Francesco Francovia. Like That is a fucking... That's you it, you that's know, it. the only way to make this better is mm. if... At some point in this issue, Jeff Lemire actually drew some of it. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, we got Jeff Lemire writing with um, James Stoker doing it. It's this incredible back and forth between... And you have, like, pages where it jumps from Stoker's style to Frank Avia's style. And even when Frank Avia starts taking over drawing one of the Stoko pages. So it's jumping between a number of, the, um, of Moon Knight's personalities. So we've got Mark Spector, who is fighting werewolves on the moon... Mm-hmm. And then we've got um, Jake Lockley, who's the taxi driver in New York, who is, um, what's he doing? Well, he's just driving. He's just driving driving around with a friend of his. And those pages are done by Frank Avia, and the moon pages are done by Stucco. And, and then everything as, sort of yeah, collides. Exactly. As the, as the space story starts, you know, the, the action starts happening and the spaceships start crashing. So too does the taxi crash. And uh, he loses... Um, Frenchie again. Frenchie's died a lot in this comic. So yeah, far. I know, right? Um, and then the uh, it ends up walking into a diner, and some bad shit's gone down. Possibly a werewolf attack. Just wow! I mean, this is—it's incredible when you think that Jeff Lemire has been like this is the same Jeff Lemire who wrote the previous Moon Knight story arc because yeah. that was brilliant, but completely different again from this. And this is. Uh, not something I think you would normally see in a mainstream superhero comic. Yeah, and this is absolutely just delving into the madness inside the head of Moon Knight yeah. and, and doing a really fun job of it. Yeah, and like with two of, like two real 
contemporary masters of like American two, cartoons. Two artists who I will buy anything their name is attached to yeah. working together for the first time. It's Absolutely. awesome. And how exciting because James DeCoe is going to be doing a Aliens book next year for Dark Horse. Is he writing and drawing it? Because he's I believe as so, good yeah. a writer as he is an I artist. Don't. Uh, he's definitely drawing it. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he's the only person attached to the project. Awesome. And so all this space stuff just gives you a real, just made me extremely excited to see yeah. him take on Geiger. This is one of my favorite books of the week, I think. Absolutely. Week. So yeah. good. I, I only, and I love this cover. The cover looks like a sort of, like an 80s movie poster. Yeah, that's, gra- that's Greg Smallwood who did the uh, art in the last art. Yeah, there Still you go. That covers. explains it. Um, you know what? You were right, Siobhan. Ulysses, Civil War Two. It's a bad book. <laughs> <laughs> I love being told I'm right. Mm. Um, I, yeah, but except I, it was fine. You know, like, this was a fine book. But, yeah. It was bridging a couple of gaps and just like... Yeah. It's just this real, like, I don't know, Al Ewing is a great writer normally, but I just didn't think this really added anything to the character of um, Ulysses. And I think it took away from the character of Karnak. Mm. So, I know, that's definitely not what a book should do, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, uh, I guess it was sort of... I don't know what this was trying to do. It ends and I'm like, what was the point of this? Yeah, like, I think it was trying to flesh out the character of Ulysses a bit by showing that he's, like, Scared. super noble or something. I don't know. But I don't think it did a brilliant job of that. And he's still just, like, the most the most iconic thing about Ulysses so far is his ponytail and scruffy beard combo. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> That's about it. Um, Power Man and Iron Fist number nine, another Civil War II tie-in. Um, and the final Civil War II tie-in for this book. Thank, Thank goodness. But I thought this was quite good. Um, you have, even though like it, it does not do any any wonders for the character of Captain Marvel. Yeah, she's just a straight up villain in this in this book. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but when this when they when they started having to tie into Civil War two, that you know Luke Cage was kind of like, I don't I don't want any part of this. This is stupid. Mm. Another stupid argument between superheroes. Go away. But unfortunately, they got dragged into it, and uh, Captain Marvel got a premonition of Luke Cage breaking into a jail to break Danny Rand out. And um, it's kind of what happens, um, but all, heaps of supervillains escape, and then it's up to Luke Cage to kind of get all the heroes to stop fighting, and then stop these supervillains from breaking out. Yeah, look, this was I'm um, I'm excited for them to be able to get back to just the straight up Power Man and Iron Fist yeah. story. Like the the teaser that they have of next month's um, cover is awesome. It has all of the characters that they've already built up. So we've got like you know. Black Mariah and who's the guy? Tombstone. Tombstone and um, Black Cat and a whole bunch of cool guys in there. And we know that Alex Winter from Runaways is going to be the main antagonist in the next arc, which I think he's the guy in the cloak maybe. Which Um, is cool. Really, really cool. That is one of my most uh, heartbreaking... Like that and Terror from the Teen Titans are probably the two biggest like... Whoa, I did not see that coming. That blew my mind yeah. when you found out that Alex was a bad guy. Yeah, Ugh, totally. It still makes me sad. So definitely, if you have not read uh, at least the Poor first the first 18, the first uh, trade of Runaways. Read all of the Brian Cable on stuff, and then you can probably But especially it. that first trade, yeah. which is the first 18 issues. Mm-hmm. Um, that's incredible Brilliant. comics. So good. Great stuff. Great comics. Um, finally, from Marvel, uh, Star Wars Han Solo. Written cool. by Marjorie Liu. Good enough. Art by Mark Brooks. Yeah. Oh, whatever. I don't care. Oh, I still like it. <laughs> it's fine. Marjorie Liu's good. I love the cover of the next issue, though, of um, Han Solo just putting his boot up. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Sexy Han. He looks Very like sexy Justin Han. Trudeau. <laughs> Maybe he is Justin Trudeau. Ooh, um, I, think this, I know my next fan fiction. This book is like, you know, that, that line between inoffensive and interesting. 
Like, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't do anything too drastic with these characters in between movies, but you also have to make sure it's a fun story and this book is ticking both those boxes. And I really like the, um, I like some of the characters they've introduced, like the big, the big white tiger who has, like, history with Chewie. That's cool. Yeah, There's sure. some cool stuff in there. Cool. Over the image now, we have the second issue of Glitter Bomb by Jim Zub and um, Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Jibril Morissette fan. I'm dying over here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you didn't love this issue. No. I have already heard. I quite liked it. It's it's sort of um, one of the things that's the most confusing about this series is that it has two separate female actress characters and I cannot tell the difference between them just visually. And, and that they was also complain about the same shit. They both hate Hollywood. Holly, There's monsters in this comic book, but you know who's the real monster is, Siobhan? Hollywood. It's a monster that just, just chews you up, you up and spits you out. But um, I like I like the literal monster that comes out through her face hole. I know, but like make that happen all the time and yeah. just save me the the monologuing and the, the awful uh, essay at the end of this book did nothing for me too. Oh, I didn't read the essay at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't do it. Okay. Make, make you dislike this book, and I'd rather you just like it. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, I'm. <laughs> I have like certain themes that I like, mm-hmm. and I'm you know I I love like underside dirty Hollywood stories like I'm just a total sucker for that so I'm a bit into this still sure I think but give that, me them like uh, you know the what was it Brew Baker and Phillips one? Oh, the fade out yeah but that's the best comic ever so. yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> you know it's really hard to or even that what compare. was it Angel something from yeah, last yeah, week yeah, yeah. Angel City Press? Angel yeah City? that's also fun yeah, yeah. I, I like this because it's more contemporary and so it's not totally set in that golden era mm-hmm. um, I still like this I'm going to keep going with it but I, I understand why other people Jupiter's Legacy, number four. I know the penultimate issue. I think there's one more issue of this little chapter. Um, Ooh, this was Mark a fast-paced Miller issue. And Frank Quietly. Yeah, extremely fast-paced. That great trope of, like, you know, all the issues leading up to this. They're, they're trying to get someone on the team, and then he gets taken out immediately. Yeah, that was... Funny. That was really heartbreaking, actually. Like, they just have this big sort of reunion between father and son and a, a beautiful moment, and then he's immediately sort of incinerated. Yeah. But heavy. Good, yeah. I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm not sure what what the next issue is going to happen, and I guess that's a good a good thing when you're reaching the end of a chapter. Mm. Um, it looks like everything's going to turn to shit again, and I guess that means that uh, Jupiter's Legacy three is going to happen in two years' time. Classic. Obviously, some great God, work Frank by Quietly, uh, so Frank Quietly in here. I'm really hoping that that weird Prince guy um, that can alter reality saves the day. Yeah, <clears> but me it's too. probably just going to turn to shit, and everyone's going to die, and then it's up to a new breed of heroes to save the day next time. But they won't actually survive. <laughs> I don't know how comics work. <laughs> um, Kill or Be Killed, issue number three by the aforementioned Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips with colours by Elizabeth Brightweiser. Um, I am not enjoying this book as much as I wanted to. I have extremely high, uh, extremely high expectations when it comes mm. to these two creators, um, three creators. Uh, and uh, I just, I, I, it looks fantastic and it's still like a, bre- a, a enjoyable to read through, but thematically I, I, just um, I'm, I'm more used to them tackling way more appealing themes to me, and this kind of like I don't know this this guy who likes who, who's learning to like killing people mm. because he might have a demon in him. I just I, I don't know. It's not compelling to me, but it is interesting enough. I I disagree. What a what an argumentative <laughs> yeah, good. Um, I love this. session we're having. I love no, this. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is such a good series. I think we're getting like really like. I feel like we're getting incredible, really 
personal in-depth character stuff that Ed Brubaker maybe hasn't had the opportunity to do in previous books like The Fade Out. Sure. So we're really, really getting to know um, this main character whose name I've obviously forgotten immediately. So, so he, the narration of this, which is yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very... You don't necessarily like narration. Well, it reminds me of the Cremenda. Of this like real uh, self-loathing, heaps better than that because sure. I think that this character is more complex and it has you know complex relationships that aren't easily defined and that you can't really understand and you sort of are working through it with him and working through all of his like you know oh god did I just kill that guy but for no reason I might have just imagined that memory plays tricks on us and then you know discovering that he's justified and feeling elated and you sort of feel I've felt all that with him and I think that Sean Phillips is so good and Elizabeth well, Breitweiser is incredible better, but, yeah. Um, but yeah I love I love the uh, I love the narration style and I love the way it sort of chops and changes and how we're seeing yeah I love it I yeah. think it's brilliant. So I think I'm going to be really on board with this once the tables turn and it, and and all these murders that it looks like he's about to commit kind of uh, stack up and and come back to get him. I guess. Yeah. That that, that that's what I'm excited for for this story. Um, but the the road to getting here, him him learning that he loves killing, is like oh, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, so two long running image titles turned 25 this week. Um, Shimon does not read either of them. They Yay. are Lazarus by Greg Rucker and Michael Lark, and Black Science by Rick Remender and Matteo Scalera. Um, Lazarus, basically, this is like probably the most exciting arc, big, biggest reveal ever is that um, the main character, Forever Lazarus, is now aware of her origins Ooh. and uh, is, you know, in a lab surrounded by replacement body parts of herself and has wow. to keep a, se- keep a secret between her and her and her youngest, you know, sister of the Kyle family. And they go- those two look like they're going to work together now. There's also another um, Forever Lazarus, a younger, younger version of her in play. Ugh. So, yeah, it's... And then that's not even kind of like the main focal point of the story in parts of this issue. So there's a lot going on in this. I, you know, I think this this is hopefully this is going to be a you know a long long run because they've mm. got the, the they've done so much world building now and it's just just let the story be told. You know, uh, if you haven't started reading Lazarus, just catch up, binge read it, read this month to month with me because it's an incredible romp. Uh, Black Science is the best it's ever been at the moment. We've we've stopped going from world to you know from from dimension to dimension with sort of dimension hopping stuff, uh, and we're now back on the original Earth that um, that our characters began on, and uh, it's the worst it's ever been for our main yeah. character, and uh, you know he's he's given up his genius uh, on a on a previous dimension, and now he has no smarts about him. So how is he going to get his his way out of it? This, this issue ends with his like adversary, his enemy, I guess, beating the shit out of him in a mental asylum. Oh, jeez. So, uh, yeah, you know, things are going great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his family are essentially being held hostage, hostage um, and trying to live their lives, uh, you know, um, and w- without spilling the beans on how they actually came to be where they are now and, you know, who, who, who's good and who's not in the world that they're in. Mm. It's amazing. I don't know what's going to happen issue to issue, and that's my favorite way to read comics. Yeah, so, nice. well done to... Uh, Greg Rucker and uh, and Rick Remender for making it to twenty five issues and 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 maintaining. I think both these comics have actually gotten better and better. Um, they, they definitely had lulls around issue ten, and then they, mm-hmm. from that point, they just they just got amazing. Particularly Black Science in the last uh, you know five to eight issues, I think is is, is, is easily Rick Remender's best thing right now. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so that's Image. Um, what else did you read this week, Siobhan? Um, I read issue three of Briggsland yeah, by man. Brian Wood and Mac Chatter. So this is the final Mac Chater. Chater. So oh, this yeah. is the um, this is the finale of the opening arc of this issue mm-hmm. three. Um, and uh, 
they've established an incredible world that I really, really want to read more and more of. Mm, basically, yeah. Like, this wasn't the most action-packed issue, I guess. We I get a little bit more. Be, yeah. No, yeah, we got a little bit more of um, history of Briggsland, more of the relationship between the matriarch and patriarch of the community. And I would say that this book is more about the threat of action rather than... We haven't really Actual seen action. that, you know, beyond the car blowing up in the first issue. There hasn't really mm. been that much... In the way of action. Yeah, true. There's been a couple of killings, but nothing that dramatic. Yeah. Um, um, this again, is a sort of quiet book. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. We were talking about our favorite writers of the year earlier earlier in the week. Um, and uh, I said Brian Wood and Siobhan disagrees. But I think this book, man, makes a case for this being like one of the best things that we're reading month to month at the moment. Mm. Let's see what the next arc does. Yeah. Get on board, guys. Briggsland. I like it a lot. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's definitely good. I just don't think it's the best book of the year. Um, I read uh, two Oni Press books this week, um, one of which is Kaiju Max Season 2, Issue 5, um, about the uh, big monsters living in jail. They're mm-hmm. out. Of, this, this whole entire season has been pretty much out of the prison now, and uh, a very important character dies off in this issue. Oh, no. And uh, also a, another very important character is reunited with someone that he's been looking for since this series started. So, uh, yeah, a lot happened in this. I think it's got one more issue left of this season. Um, this is, again, written and drawn by Xander Cannon. Uh, this is a great book. Mm. And uh, with Christmas around the corner... I would say that the first trade and hopefully the second trade will be out by Christmas, but this is a really good gift to anyone. I know there's a new Godzilla movie that just came out. Anyone that you know that likes kaiju, loves those big monsters, stomp in on Japanese people. Um, Love it. Definitely pick up this, uh, this, this book, Kaiju Max. It's really funny. It's beautifully drawn. And uh, the depth of the character is surprisingly high for a book about weird-looking monsters. Hmm. Um, I also read issue five of Space Battle, Space Battle Lunchtime, which has uh, got to be one of my pick for one of the best all-ages comics of the year. Definitely rivals that of you know Moon Girl and uh, Goldie Vance. Um, it's, a, it's a book about... Um, uh, an Iron Chef mm-hmm. kind of style TV show in space and um, a, a girl from Earth who makes cupcakes is transported. Um, she ends up getting quite good at the competition um, and she's recently uh, one of the contestants arranged for her to be kidnapped and she's now on a, uh, a, a cannibal, like a cannibal reality uh, TV show where she is going to either cook or be eaten. Um and uh, she says at one point, this is a mistake. I can't cut up and cook anyone. And then someone says, not with that attitude, you won't. <laughs> it's a cannibal coliseum, not a cantable. <laughs> Good joke. Good joke. Good joke. <laughs> this is written by, um, written and drawn by Natalie Reese, Reese. And uh, I love it. This is uh, one of my favorite books of the year. Space Battle Lunchtime. Cute. Very cute. Very good. Nice. Did you read issue two of Britannia? I read issue one during the aforementioned very crazy Solo Levens episode, mm-hmm. um, and I did not like it one bit, no sorry. Oh, fair enough. I I didn't love the first issue as much as I wanted to. Like, it seemed like I love, um, I love ancient history. I love reading about, like, the Gauls and the Brits and all that really early sort of um, stuff that happened in the sort of United Kingdom area and all of the jerky Romans. I think that there's like, for the first half of this issue, I was like, okay, he's a detectioner. Like it's a bit lame sort of setting up this whole thing so that he can, so that it can just be like a procedural sort of cop drama. But there's enough kind of cool world building and like historical elements that are built into it that I've actually, I really enjoyed it. And the, the second half of the comic, um, becomes really compelling and really crazy and I'm, I'm super into it. I really like it. I think that if you if you like um, history, if you like kind of swords and sorcery stuff, if you have any kind of interest in that, um, definitely check this out. It's a, it's a, we don't really see like Roman centurion based comics very <laughs> often. It has a very sort of 
Brit comics feel. Did you read the first issue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. I didn't like the first issue at all. I thought it was all right. I thought it was okay. I think that the second issue is heaps better, and I think that it's just going to keep getting better. Okay, I'll give it a try. Um, finally, I read Revolution number three. This is a big crossover event between the Transformers and Rom and G.I. Joe and Mask and Action Man and the Micronauts. And this is my quick review. I have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> I thought I was nice. on board issue one and two, and they've completely lost me now. Well, I don't know shit about Mask. I don't know shit about Micronauts, but that's who the... They're kind of bringing each of these universes together, and I guess there's going to be moments that I'm just like completely lost in. Yeah, right. I was, I was, I was, I was like celebrating this event when yeah. it started, because I really liked that first issue. I remember. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Time Those change. are all the reviews this week. Uh, if you want to find out what's coming out this week, we've got some hot tips for you. Uh, we see the return of uh, one of our favorite Marvel comics, Black Widow by Mark Wade and Chris Sumney. Issue 7 of that is finally coming out after a little hiatus. Excellent. We also get um, another um, young animal comic in uh, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, issue number one, which is uh, written by uh, Gerard Way with somebody else and yeah, art by, by Michael, Michael Oweming. How do you say his last name? Oming? 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 Oweming? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Hadrian's Wall, which is the um, sci-fi mystery comic yes. um, that came out last month uh, that we really enjoyed. Issue two of that comes out through Image. Uh, we get... Love and Rockets have a brand new uh, book coming out, which is extremely exciting, by uh, Gilbert and Hamie Hernandez. Oh, awesome. Will be significantly less pornographic than the last Gilbert Hernandez <laughs> book we read last week. Um, well, then I'm not reading it. <laughs> and uh, Manifest Destiny, issue number 24, comes out. I bring this up because uh, on our Facebook page and on our Twitter, so uh, facebook.com slash seriousissuespodcast and twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues, I've been hassled. <laughs> We've been hassled by a listener called Stephen Scott, who every week says, read Manifest Destiny, read Manifest Destiny, read Manifest Destiny. I finally caught up. I read all, all three, all 23 issues of it uh, this week. Um, nice. And uh, I'm just in time to read issue 24 that comes out this week. So, uh, a really, really fun series. I'm looking forward to reviewing that each month from this point on forward. Nice. Uh, we should also give a quick little shout out to everyone over at Livewire and Starlight and the, at the uh, Children's Hospital in Westmead. Mm-hmm. Um, they We were very lucky to spend an evening there last Wednesday. Um, we recorded a couple of podcasts with some uh, of the young people staying at the hospital about video games and Harry Potter and those podcasts. We kind of taught them how we podcast each week. We brought a whole bunch of comics from, that King's very generously donated. So uh, they'll be able to kind of give comics to people that come to the hospital um, for, you know, to take back to their room and read mm. instead of just borrowing the same ones and having them dog-eared. Mm. I don't know if that's a thing that happens, but in my head, I'm like, oh, we're, good. we're, we're, we're giving him such good stuff. <laughs> um, we also taught them how, how we podcast each week and we, yeah, we recorded some podcasts that they can have for themselves and they can kind of be on the live wire servers for other people at the hospital to listen to, hopefully. It was, it was super fun. So thanks so much to the guys for having us. Um, and thank you very much for listening. You can find us online again, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. And it's an email, issues at kingscomics.com. We love hearing from you. We've got a bonus episode hit coming out this week uh, featuring the guys from the Graphic Festival at the Sydney Opera House. So this year, bringing out Matt Groening, Brandon Graham, and countless other awesome uh, free and paid-for comic and uh, animation kind of seminars and mm-hmm. shows at the Opera House uh, on the 4th and 5th of November this year. So uh, look, stay tuned for that later on yeah. in the week. And quickly, guys, this weekend is, um, we've got a couple of things happening at King's Comics on Saturday. It is Wonder Woman Day. So we are celebrating that a day late um, on October 22nd. If you come on down to King's Comics, it's 10% off all Wonder Woman comics and merchandise, excluding new releases, and uh, 20% off for any gold card um, holders. So that's a that's a pretty sweet 
have done a one woman episode. We I fucked know, up. No, we oh. fucked up. Um, Next but also, year. also we will be having a cosplay competition at about one o'clock. So come down if you have a good Wonder Woman costume. Um, I'm super excited to see everyone. And then on Sunday we are having um, Queens of Kings, our regular all ladies comic book reading club. Come on down. We're going to be chatting about Mad Love the um, Harley Quinn origin story. Fantastic. You can find uh, us individually online at Siobhan CBG on Instagram and Twitter and I'm <laughs> at Levdog L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Join the conversation over there. Tell us what you love and don't love about the podcast and let us know some comic books that you have either read because of the podcast or ones that you think we should be reading that we're not. We love hearing from you and uh, we encourage you to do so all the time. Yeah, thanks guys. Uh, we'll see you next week and until next week Siobhan, what should we stay doing? You should stay serious. That's a great catchphrase. It's that really you good. It's I've come around. <laughs> hey this is Levins thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues if you're not completely sick of my voice by now why don't you check out one of my other podcasts one is called Hey Fam and it's about comedy and pop culture so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows all that kind of thing the other one is called The Mitchin and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney you can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.